0: Oh, it, he didn't teach me much about heating, but he taught me a, taught lot, me about of, a lot of lessons that I use to this day. Like um, putting information together, like a Rolodex used to tell us. When you look up one thing, you link it to everything else you know about it. Mm-hmm. And now you start learning and chains of fucking information, yep. which is way faster.
1: Everything you know about, everything you talk about. Talk about it with Fran Jazz. We have two special guests today. Returning guest host Michael Mukatosh, and detective, former SWAT team member, Battle Bunker and Gwyn Island duathlon, yeah. What is it duathlon? <laughs> Winner, the list goes on and on. Jason Lacayo. Thank you for having me, guys. I
2: appreciate you, man.
1: Thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much. How are you guys doing today?
2: Great, man. Great, man. I got no complaints. Just happy to be here, man.
1: Good, good, good. Awesome. I love you, Thank Mike. you. He you
2: got me out
0: of a couple of speeding tickets, so I don't feel good. Enough. Awesome. <laughs> no, no, I, just, love yeah, I, I love speak. it. I love
1: it. Good, good, good. Uh, let's start from the beginning. Where were you born?
2: I was born in the Bronx. Uh, I don't know. If, I think the hospital's still there. It's North Central Bronx. It's right in the back of Montefiore Hospital. So I was born there in the... In the, the summer of uh, of eighty two, so forty one years old, old guy.
1: Old <laughs>
0: guy, you you wouldn't think it if, if you see this guy. If you follow him, the Jump Man, but,
1: <laughs> not at all, not at when, all. When
0: did you move to?
2: I moved to Yonkers in ninety five, man, and that shit was a culture shock. From uh, The Bronx, yeah, because I feel like everybody here was ahead of their time. Like I got, I, I started going to the eighth grade here, right. And if you don't know Yonkers well, you got to realize, like, the pockets where you you can and can't go. You know what I mean? I'm from the north side, so I lived on North Broadway. So, you know, at the time, Mulford Gardens was was around, so I knew you, I, I had to find out the hard way. You can't walk in there if you don't really know anybody, you know? And, like, same thing with, like, Cottage, you know, School Street, those places. You had to know somebody to walk in there. You couldn't just walk in there. So navigating the landscape of Yonkers was a little tough, but I made friends quick, and Figured out where to go, where not to go, who to go with, who not to go with. You know. So. Yeah, we learned that
0: from walking home from school twenty-three <laughs> a, few, a few times. We lived down the block. Okay, twenty-three.
1: So nice. Yeah, nice. Yonkers is a
2: funny place, man. But you know, you learn on the fly. It's a, it's a big little city, you know. So
0: yeah, definitely. The um, so you're you do you do many things. You're uh, a sports fitness guy. Yeah. You do podcasting. Yes, sir. You dabble into acting. Yeah, yeah, man. You do competitions. Yes, sir. You do police work. Yeah. You You don't sleep, I think. 18 years.
2: now, I sleep, man. uh, You know, I I, uh, make sure that I make sleep hygiene a thing. I got to recharge the battery. So people out there, if you don't sleep, make sure you focus on your sleep. It's good for cognitive brain function. So I know I look like I do a lot, but I do try to prioritize at least seven hours of sleep. Yeah, seven yeah, hours yeah, of good yeah. sleep. Of good sleep, yeah, Rems, deep, you know.
1: That's exactly yeah. what I do. I do seven. Yeah, seven. Six is, like is like too little. Up. Eight is too much. Seven, oh, seven is seven perfect. Is I'm lucky yep. if I get five. It's and, horrible. And I never get. I haven't
0: had a, a full night of sleep since probably 2007. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately. But so you said 18 years in law enforcement. 18 years. Like I got hired uh, July 11th of 2005. So, with a man of many talents. And uh, scale sets. Why choose law enforcement over something else?
2: Family business. Uh, my dad was a correction officer. He worked on Rikers Island for 25 years. My uncle was a New York City transit police officer before, like, the merger. And then when the merger came, he got segued into NYPD. Uh, my cousins, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin. <laughs> yeah, my cousin Elmer. My El- cousin Errol. Dude. Yeah, I just had a... Like, my... My family business is law enforcement, so if it wasn't the military, it was going to be law enforcement.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. See, even though it's not really a business, it's not a family business, but I know what you mean. Yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a tough decision, but when you grew up, when you grew up around it, it's yes. just you just follow what what has worked.
2: Yeah, that's what I like. I always wanted to be it. I saw my dad in like the uniform and shining his shoes and making sure his uniform was always pressed. And he was in the military too, so. He did the reserves. You know, he was four years active in the Marine Corps and then the Army Reserve for so the remainder. So I always saw him in some kind of uniform. So for me, I just uh, associated myself with either being a police officer or, or military.
0: So what made what I mean. the decision, the deciding factor between military versus police?
2: I'm going to be 100% honest, 9-11. Uh, I was 19 years old when the towers went. So I was of age to go. A lot of my friends that enlisted in the military were doing six months basic and then they were getting sent over to wherever. So um, I had a few friends that went to like Ramadi, um, Mosul. They were in places where it was active and they were getting after it. And some of my friends, they make it back. Some of my friends came back fucked up. So I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be the move for me. I said, I'm going to give it another year. And then PD called me and I was
0: like, I'm going to take that you know so. <laughs> good advice yeah, yeah yeah. good advice active good word to describe <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, Definitely. yeah if those well, are the two
1: options
2: nice. absolutely yeah, police you know, i
1: would have so. chose that too
2: yeah i just wanted to be smart about it you know because i if i was going to join i was going to go somewhere where i was going to probably get into something so i just
0: in today's age yeah after um covid and blm and all of that stuff yeah right is it is it that clear-cut of a decision? Should If I'm a young 18-year-old, am I going to war, given the current situation of the world in Russia and the Middle East and everything, or am I going to become a police officer? Now it sounds like it's tough, a tougher decision to make in today's age. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: a tough decision, but it's all based on perspective, like how you view the world and what morals and values that you have. I mean, some people are very patriotic and they want to fight for the countries and the freedoms that we have some people you know rather fight the good fight on on the home front and not go overseas and do that on foreign soil so i mean if i was a 21 year old kid right now i don't think i would do either of the two to be to be 100 percent honest i wouldn't you know now you can work remote you know what i mean (laughs) i could live in different places every month if i felt like it. i could airbnb something for a month live there and just kind of move about and not be restricted to having to pay a mortgage or, or be confined to one specific space. I think this generation changed the narrative a little bit, man. They don't have that shitty hour commute or hour and a half commute, and they got to sit in the office or, or, or uh, you know, in a galley for fucking eight hours. And to say somebody calls in sick and oh you you know you got to do a double now, you have the freedom to kind of move about how you please. So, I mean, if I was a 21 year old kid with a de- with a degree, I'm probably going to go corporate or something. What, what would, would that, that degree be? be? Um, probably like marketing, man. I was uh, I was taking that in
0: school, and then PD came along, so I was just, I said, let me go over there, you know. I mean, some might say you're a super cop, so I think that would be a a good. That was a good decision you made. Yeah, you did a lot in the community and a lot locally. Yeah,
2: I mean, I'm low key uh an adrenaline junkie, so I think that comes with the the job, you know. Police work there's, ne- there's never a dull moment. Like you'll have lulls, but then you end up running into something, and you know you kind of get addicted to that. I know for a fact. Like I was, I was addicted to that. Now my my job title is a little bit different. It's a little bit more uh, regimented. I got steady days. You know, I don't work holidays anymore. So I put the time in, and I got into the position that I'm in now. So
1: the position you're in now is detective, right?
2: Yeah. So um, you have to wait 18 months to get your shield. So I'm a, I'm assigned to the detective division. But they have like a probationary period, quote yeah. unquote. And you know, if you don't get into anything and everything runs smooth, then you get your shield in 18 months. I, I'm I'm already nine months in, so another nine months. Knock on wood, yeah. By the grace of God, I'll get my detective shield. So,
1: what's what's the for people that don't know the difference between PD and I'm regular PD and, and detective because you already so, mentioned a few which, yeah. which even the the time off and uh, the weekend schedule and all that
2: yeah so not every detective will get that but um detectives are basically a specialist in whatever the category is right so they have homicides so you'd be investing just murders they have narcotics so you just be dealing with buying and selling of narcotics you have intel like they'll do you know any kind of intelligence that's coming in from the neighborhood or the city or depending on your jurisdiction so each um, detect, each division has a specification as as to what they investigate. And all a detective does is just investigate, right? So a patrolman will do the groundwork, they'll get like the nuts and bolts of it, and the detective is the one that pieces everything together. So they're the one that's going over footage, and they're talking to people, they're interviewing people, they're doing photo arrays. So it's just a more, it's a specialized version of a, of a patrolman. It's like you have a specification, and your specialty would be narcotics or your specialty would be major crimes and that's all you do you don't get bothered with anything else other than that specification whereas a patrolman is like a jack of all trades so that's pretty much
0: the difference well tell us about the SWAT background that's like you think you think of SWAT you're thinking he's busting through the ceiling this guy got the scope he got he's in full gear what please tell us about what is it like to be a SWAT officer and what was your position exactly on that team or that division um so i went to swat school in 2010 i'm sorry swat school yeah yeah so So while you're a cop you got to go back to school oh yeah so okay this
2: is a great segue to introduce why swat is what it is right so if you're a patrolman you can get into a specialized unit right so there's a bunch of things you can get into you can get into like a proactive plainclothes unit where you go out and get guns and drugs off the street you can do that or you can go the swat route or what so Yonkers has ESU, right? So we have an ESU. ESU stands for Emergency Services Unit. So not only are you a SWAT guy, you do uh, vehicle extrication. So like the Jaws of Life. If there's a if there's an accident, you know, you go there, you cut people out of cars. If there's um, low angle rescue. So if you're on the if you're on the Bronx River and you get into a car accident, and a car goes over the guard, the, the guardrail and goes into a trestle, we have the equipment to go down there and do a low angle rescue. You can also repel down buildings. So rope rescues are part of the emergency services unit. And um, a fact that most people don't know, if you see anybody that's riding on this ESU truck, at a bare minimum, you have to be an EMT to to make uh, the the unit. So you have to go through a six week expedited course for um, emergency medical technician. And if you're really good, you can actually go to medic school. So most teams have like, let's say if the team is 12 members, there's usually, like, 10 EMTs, two medics, or they'll try to offset it with, like, each um, battalion or each squad, right, has a medic attached to it. So, um, being a squad guy, it's tough, dude. You have to shoot in the 90th percentile in several different firearms, right? So, handgun, shotgun, AR-15, or, uh, you know, an M4, now, um, MP5, and then 40 millimeter grenade launcher you have to learn that you have to be proficient in all those firearms Then you also have to be able to deploy flashbangs uh, depending on where you work some jurisdictions don't use them anymore most do but depending on the city or municipality that you work in that, that'll dictate if you're able to use those kind of munitions but it is just it's the special forces of police work in, in, in essence definitely
1: yeah and um what about to be a detective what are the qual- qualifications for that is it a test or or what is it
2: no it's a you it's a it's an interview and basically it's based off of your police work as a patrolman or whatever unit you were in so if you had a guy who made a lot of drug arrests then he's probably going to lean towards narcotics if you had a guy who was a proactive street cop who was getting guns and things like that or or being able to get ci information and get intel on who's moving what to where then you'd probably end up in like intel or like you know Major crimes or something like that. So, um, detective is a little bit more of a niche. And then, like a guy who's an ESU guy, he probably at some point either had like a military background or maybe uh, a volunteer firefighter background or was an EMT prior to becoming or a medic prior to becoming a police officer. Those are the guys that usually end up segueing into the emergency services. The guys who end up going to like DD and stuff like that, they're just probably from you know like a lineage of maybe somebody in their family was a detective or like like me I grew up watching cop shows and being a detective I always look cool you wear suits or you're in plain clothes you look cool so you know uh, the way I draw my career it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen but it happened you know just the sequence was reversed I wanted to become a detective before I was a SWAT guy so I kind of did it in the reverse yeah. isn't
0: being a SWAT guy a young man's game I mean, you're still a fit, young man, but it is. How it is.
2: Old? There's a shelf life for that, right? Yeah. So right. I, I was what? I went in 2009, so I was probably like 20 something years old. I, I ran that for 10 years. Wow, so,
0: nice. So there's nice. no like 45, 48 year old SWAT guys, right? This guys Or, or yeah. there's not many, maybe. No, there's guys. There's yeah. guys, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I but mean,
0: some because it's more physical than. It isn't, it isn't, it right? isn't. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, it's way more physical than being a detective. I'm tell you that right now. When you're a detective, you are a gentleman. You wake up in the morning, you go to work days, you get your coffee, you get your breakfast, you sit down at a table with your with your constituents, and you you talk shop, you eat your food, you drink your coffee, then you go out, maybe you investigate a couple of cases, come back, you have lunch, you sit down like a gentleman, you have lunch, right? You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. a lot more, it's slow-paced because you're not, you're on call, but you're not on call, right? They only, they only call you if they need you, and if nothing happens... You're not going anything, right? So you have a little you have, you have a lot more downtime. So you can be more of a, a gentleman. Stuff, SWAT. SWAT is like you, you're waiting around for the shit to hit the fan, because that's when they call you when the shit hits
1: the fan. You're taking so. care of the business. Yes. And yeah. the, the detectives after the dust settles figure yeah, out what the hell and happened. And figure, exactly. Perfectly. <laughs> yeah. That's the best way mean, to explain
0: it. So so have you ever been in like a hostage type situation, bank situation? Like the stuff you see in movies, people Think of SWAT, uh, when they see that.
2: Absolutely. And, um, I, I you know, I've gotten several awards for verbal de-escalation. Uh, so
0: what, what did you do? Just show them who you are? Show them one of your YouTube videos. No, There's no, no
2: verbal,
1: water, verbal de-escalation. <laughs> nah, it's yeah, no, it's no, to I see you, right?
2: Just so, having a conversation. And, yeah. you know, most people, they just want to be heard, man, right? at the end of the day. Can they, you tell
0: us, without getting specifically any type of, like, like, how did, how is this looking? Like, we're thinking you're going through a duck van or something. Like, what what's going on? You know, how does this happen? Like, you, uh, your life's on the line, right? You're about to barge into a hostile, crazy situation.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could talk about, about that, uh, please. one one particular situation where I ended up getting, like, I think three awards for this one particular situation. Because what happens is it goes to a committee. And then they vote in, like, who gets the award and for what reason they get the to get the award and I ended up getting like a, a life-saving award for this but um, congratulations thank you yeah, appreciate that right. uh I went to a call it and it turned into um another jurisdiction was in our city uh trying to perform a an arrest warrant and apparently the subject had a uh a bad history with one of the cops that was The uh,
0: subject being what the, the 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 perpetrator Yeah the perp yeah, okay yeah
2: so the bad I, guy yeah the bad guy Unquote. Yeah, had a, okay. <laughs> had a bad rapport with one of the cops, so he recognized him from somewhere and kind of lost his shit, so he ended up barric- barricading himself in the in the apartment, which was essentially it was a room. He rented out a room and barricaded himself. He put a dresser in front of the door, and um, it's crazy because when you hear someone's voice behind the door and you don't know what they look like, your brain draws up an image of a monster. Right, yeah. So this guy's talking behind this door and I'm thinking it's like a six foot eight Sasquatch behind the door. And it, he was the polar opposite of it, but his criminal background. So when that happens, they got to slow down the process a little bit. right? So because it was another jurisdiction, they call us, they give us the backdrop as to who he is, what his criminal background was. He was a legit felon
0: like so this, legit so there's other governing forces in the city yeah so usually and they get, call you yeah or so you know as team. a
2: courtesy they'll be like yo listen we're going to execute a warrant like just so you know we'll be here if anything goes left just be on scene
0: and you're the guys that have to go in first if somebody when somebody goes in first
2: yes so uh oh, that's definitely. what that's what happened they end up you know conducting wow. the, the arrest warrant the yeah. guy freaked yeah. out barricaded himself yeah. they were going to call yeah. their team but we happen to have twelve guys, me being one of the twelve. Okay. And, you know, you there's this thing called the stack, right? So the stack is usually a guy in the front with a shield, um, or a breacher with the with the shield guy. There's a guy with a long gun and there's a guy with like less than lethal force. So I happen to be on the stack this particular day. I was the guy with the less than lethal force, but it's less than lethal force is it's a firearm, right? But it has less than lethal ammunition. But okay. if I hit you in the head with a beanbag round right, it could potentially kill you. So you have to put that into account for what you're doing, right? So I'm behind, you know, this guy's behind this door. I have a less than lethal shotgun, and I just had a conversation with him for some odd reason. He ended up taking a liking to me.
0: But, like, what, what happened? Like, you guys broke through the door?
2: No, nah, so or, we didn't break you're through the, the door. on the other side of the door? Yeah, so he basically said that he was going to come out and it was going to be suicide by cop. He had a knife. And he was trying to, like, get out a a video or something like that.
0: A suicide by cop, meaning? Meaning, like, he was
2: going to come out with a knife. And, like, at the end of the day, I could tell you to put the knife down. But you know what you really want to do. Like, you can put the knife down or you can run towards me and force me to take the shot. Yeah, he's going
0: to, okay, he's going to force you to do something because, yeah, okay. Yes.
2: So we ended up having a conversation for some odd reason. He took a like and told me I got him to throw the knife out of the window and he surrendered. Wow. Yeah. 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 So that could have went left, man. You know, he could have came out of the door and, Yeah. and he, he, he did mention like during the call, he was like, yo, he's like, you know, officer, he said my last name, was like, officer, Lakao, officer, Lakao, I like you, man. You know, when I come out of here, don't shoot me in my face. Like, so oh, I was shit. like, yo, we don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, we just want to end this peacefully and come to some point of resolve. And he listened, man.
0: And I ended up getting like a, a decent amount of awards for that one call. What, what made you think, like, you go in with that mindset, like, you we're saving this guy no matter what, or we, I'm going to have to shoot somebody, or it's my life or their life? Like, what are you thinking you you have before to, you get you, in there? You have
2: to go into every situation knowing that he could go either way, right? So I, I always play the middle. Uh, I always go in there with a very neutral mindset. I, don't, I go in there with no bias, no, no hatred in my heart. Um, at the end of the day, I don't want to remove anybody from this earth, right? Because then I have to live with the consequences of that, right? Good, bad or indifferent, if this person is an a evil person or whatever have you, it's still I'm I'm still responsible for that person no longer being on this earth. So I go into that with the whole mindset of, you know, be cool, calm and collective and understand that you have to deal with this situation either way. But I first and foremost want to end it with peace. That's how I go in. I can't speak to anybody else. That's how I go into a situation. But I go into everything with I wanna end this peacefully. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but
1: you prepare for the worst.
2: Yeah, yeah. In this in this line of work, you have to understand that violence sometimes may have to be, you know, the remedy, you know.
1: That's the way of the world. Everybody yeah. respects violence, but, yep. but that has to be the last case scenario. You yep. you go in there hoping hopefully you could just quell it with a conversation. Yep. But worst case scenario, somebody gotta die and it's not gonna be us. Yeah. That's crazy.
0: Now, when you say not going to be us, it's because you have experience as a correction officer, I, when right? When I say us, Max?
1: yeah, but when I say us, I meant like, you know, him and his team, like we're not yeah. dying. Oh, okay. We're so prepared, we're not dying. This guy's yeah. not as prepared as us, but we don't want to kill him either. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, same thing. And, same and, thing inside. The difference inside is somebody will do the same thing in their cell, mm-hmm. and then they don't have a weapon in, enough to hurt us, yeah. so we don't have a gun inside. We don't Perhaps. have beanbags. We have batons and shields yeah. and chemical agents. Okay. That's that's our maximum, you know, threat. Okay. Physically.
0: Yeah, so it's-, it's, it's But so it's much. still a threat. A hundred percent to your life.
1: Yeah. Because some of these guys, you know, they'll be, you know, huge. Bigger than all, all the officers. Yeah. All the officers are on, are on call that day. They have Jay than, on you. Yeah, But sometimes they're three times the size of J, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Trust me. I'm, I, there's been plenty
2: of calls where I'm not the biggest
0: guy. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No nah, no doubt. But- It happens. I mean, wow. that That's some- And then, so, you're you're in this room. You're behind the door- who, who decides who's taking the lead? Who's talking? It's because you're a senior guy? Is it because you're a no, powerhouse man. on the team? What's going on?
2: Sometimes it just comes down to uh, rapport, right? And so you have a group of guys on the stack. Usually there's a uh, hostage negotiation team. Is in this specific situation, there was one. But he just didn't take a liking to whoever was talking to him. He ended up
0: Couldn't just, relate to him. Maybe. Yeah,
2: I guess. I'm going to be 100% honest. I guess he heard my voice, heard the way I was speaking... And was like, oh, I can relate to this guy because he only he kept making references to me. So usually when that happens, like, oh, the guy with the with, with the report, let's keep him talking to him, keep him calm, keep him in the space where he's not going to make any irrational decisions. And you know, ended up working out for the best that day.
0: And that's a part of your approach where you're respecting whoever's behind that door. Not that you're condoning anything, but just respectfully talking. Yeah. They hear that, they recognize that over somebody else who maybe is prejudging that person, like you said. And but you being a senior guy allows you to talk because I'm guessing like the rookie on the team can't just talk, right? No, nah, man,
2: I'm going to be 100 percent honest. It all comes down to life experience. Like, you've known me since high school. You know, I'm like a pretty laid back, chill dude. Yeah, I can fit into any scenario you put me in. I, and so there's some calls where I got to take a back seat. and I'm fine with that. I am completely fine with being the member on the team and and sometimes putting somebody in the forefront and I could just be in the back. I'm not trying to be a superstar. I have no desire to be a superstar. But if I'm called up to do something and I can help, then that's when I'll step in.
0: Yeah, that, that's amazing. Yeah, that's the best way. I mean, for the team, for the, the goal is to get to end this peacefully like that day.
1: The rookie right. could have them, the easiest rapport with that guy. Yep. And, and there's, they'll there's, let him talk? Yeah, there's, it's there's, whoever the guy is. There's, there's a good um, segue to the next thing is white people – and minorities have a different history, relationship, and perception of police, and with police. Yes. In situations like that, sometimes that's what it is. Let's say the 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 guy behind the door is black, and it's only and the rookie's a black guy. Everybody else is white, and they're being a little more aggressive. And that guy's not used to people talking to him that way. Mm-hmm. But the rookies, the black kid, that like yo, I could talk to this guy level headed, no problem. They'll put him in the front.
2: Go and, ahead. That, and that's exactly what happened that day. I was a kid from Yonkers. He was from Yonkers. He heard the way I was talking. Mm-hmm and he, he was like, yo, I like you, and he just kept talking to me, and all it had to do was us being from the same city, and him speaking and hearing the inflection in my voice, and he was
0: like, yo, I like this guy, I'm gonna keep talking to him, that's what it was. Likeability goes so far in life, it's insane. It is. You can be not the sharpest, or the strongest, or the best, and if you're likable, people give you a shot, people give you a chance, mm-hmm. you know, that's it's important. Um, uh, Wow, that's a cool story. I mean, I'm glad it worked out for, for yeah, you Yeah, man, nothing would have worked guy, out, bro. Luckily, he threw a knife. He said he threw a knife out of the window. Out of the window, yeah. And, and it, he gave himself up.
2: Surrendered peacefully, man. Were
0: you surprised to see who he was? Because you said you're thinking yes. six foot eight. Tiny man. Yeah? Tiny man. Oh, Heart man. of a
2: lion. <laughs> Yo, the way, because the, you know what it is? The human mind can conjure up these crazy thoughts when you're scared. Because- I don't, I don't give a shit who you are. Like, that That. That fear, that unknown of, like, I don't know what's behind that door will cause your mind to create this person, this being that's behind yeah. the door. And I was just like, damn, this dude's going to come out. It's going to be, like, 6'8", 300 pounds. Oh. And the homie was just... Everybody that hears me before they meet me, yeah, he's exactly. like, 6'10". <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So if you're talking behind the yeah. door, and, you, and let's say you're talking with some aggression, and you have a unique voice, you, you're going to think
0: a yeah. monsters behind that yeah. door. You feel me? So. You know, I just. But I think the biggest, maybe I mean, besides the physical conditioning and all of that stuff, one of the big parts of your success, it sounds like, is that you're able to keep your emotions in check, and just be in the moment, and not be like, you know, I gotta get this guy, or he might kill me, or, or you know, fuck him, or whatever, right? That that's a big part. How do you how do you um, how do you hone that? How do you how do you become like a a master of your emotions in such a tense environment. And same, same thing I would ask you, Francisco. What's uh, crazy
1: is uh, it just comes with the training and being prepared for worst-case scenario. But also, after all that training, I studied a lot about stoicism. You know about that stuff? Yes. So do you feel both? Like did, did you did you learn about stoicism before the job or after? Or oh, can you tell works?
0: us what stoicism is for the-
1: It's really not letting anything that you have no control over affect you. Yeah. If you have no control over it, it, it has no effect on you. This this is really good and we, we're also gonna get into mental health because that's that really helps with mental health too. Sure. So all the
0: religions teach that. Right? Like, right. like don't think about tomorrow don't think about yesterday think about now being the present being moment. The present moment that's like stoicism I guess right yes okay yeah
2: because like you have control over how you react you have no control over what else happens right so if you get into a car accident right I can only I you know I didn't cause that if I didn't cause the accident I can control how I react to the, react to the, to the accident so being able to have yeah. that emotional regulation is clutch but you want to know what, where the regulation comes from? I'm going to be 100% honest. Yeah. They train you, right? You get that, but life experience. Like if you grow like, – like we're from Yonkers, and you have to – I learned critical thinking very quickly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, know you get into a sticky situation. If you don't remain calm and you freak the fuck out, you end up, it could be a very bad day and maybe your last day. So I think just my life experience growing up in a city where it was – you know, it was violent, man. And you go to a party and the wrong people walk in and you're with the people that they don't like. And it's like, oh, shit. How do I get out of this party? Or if shit goes left, like, how do I get out of this situation? So a lot of that comes from my upbringing and just being able to be in tumultuous situations and being able to slow the thought process down and figure out, how do I get out of this shit alive?
0: So training, according to both of you, and then life experience. 1,000%. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think... Anybody could be stoic. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I don't know if anybody could. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like uh, there's a philosopher, Swedenborg. He says that there's uh, hidden meanings in the Bible, right? And when you hear men and women, you're talking about emotion, women, like the character in the Bible, right? So whether it's a real story or an allegory, the woman represents the love and the emotion. That's Uh why there's usually one woman to every story, one or two, one major emotion. And then the men are the ideas so the reason why all over the bible and other books the men are mastering the women are dominant over the women it's not because the man just like not just cuz like 4000 years ago 3000 years ago the men are dominant in society it's also the mind should dominate the emotion so as long as the emotion's good right and true the idea is true right so the man should dominate the woman or or what he means is your mind should be dominating your emotion. Your emotion shouldn't take over, like oh, just like. I like that
2: concept. You know? yeah. yeah, it's,
0: great. it's a it's beautiful concept, and, yeah. and it makes sense to to the word. If you're looking at it like, how is this relevant to today? That makes it that's so, powerful, bro. And in the that. same way, your mind is controlling. You're like, I, right, I'm not gonna get scared. I'm not gonna, you know, overreact and kill this dude. And I gotta, I gotta stay. The mind has to be in control. And I don't think that's for everybody. Um, I think you know it's a goal. It should be a goal for everybody. Yeah, there's certain but it's certainly not. Definitely not. Yeah. Not for everyone. Absolutely, I, I I agree. And it takes a unique person, like for you to be in that game for ten years, and for you to do this for eighteen years—that's insane. Like, yeah, and successful. Thank God for both of you. You yeah, know, more, yeah. and for your work. So, if you if you were physically able to stay as a SWAT guy, would you have stayed, or what? What made you say, you know what? Let me get into the, into the mental health outreach program and do this detective path. Uh, if I could have
2: stayed, would I have stayed? I don't think so. Uh, I'm a very goal oriented person. Uh, I wanted to become a detective. And I feel like divine intervention played a role in this. It happened to be in a specific space that I'm extremely passionate about. And that's just how the cards aligned. Like, I, you know, I always... People usually ask me because I make a lot of references to God. If I'm a bridge, uh, if I'm a religious or spiritual person, I'm more spiritual than I am religious, um, and I just feel like the universe kind of created this space for me to be in. And so I just kind of ran with it, and it, it checked off that last checklist on my career goals. Nice. I wanted to be a detective. Somebody like, like
0: you, I can't believe it's the last <laughs> goal. Because no, you, you seem like a guy that you set up goals and you knock them down. Competitions and stuff yeah. like that, but. Career-wise,
2: yeah, that was something that I set out to do, and I just, and I honestly, I gave up on it. I got, like, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe the same for me. I'll just be, you know, this. Well, being a detective,
0: you almost gave up?
2: Yeah, yeah, I almost gave up. I'm going to be 100% honest. Like, I don't talk about this openly, but I just felt like I got pigeonholed. I got stuck in a space, and they were like, all right, square peg, square hole, right? So we're just going to leave this guy here, and it is what it is. And then when this position came up, you have to interview for it, and my my track record kind of spoke for itself, you know. Uh, they're like, oh man, you got like a lot of like verbal de-escalation. We've been on calls where, like, I talked the guy off a roof. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And like, and they used that as like a training focal point in our like in-service training. And and, I, and like I didn't even know they were doing this. A kid came up to me, oh, you're the kid I seen in that video. And then I'm like, what what video? I was like, oh, the guy that was on the roof. I was like, oh shit. a well, training. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They were like, yeah, man. You know, you might get into a situation where you might have, you know, have to verbally de-escalate certain things, and there's different versions of it. I mean, they got me on camera doing other things, too. But, you know, like, they used this particular video, mm-hmm. um, you know, showing me talk a guy off a ledge. So, it, it kind of worked in my favor that I, I have the ability to go, you know, like we spoke about violence, right? I have the ability to go to that space, but also have the ability to, to verbally de-escalate that. Like, that's the duality of man. You know what I mean? Like, to be able to come and if I need to be a nurturer, I can be a nurturer. But if I need to be an aggressor, I can be an aggressor. Like, we all have to choose if we want to, you know, take violence or, or choose peace.
0: Well, we should be a collection of, we are a collection of both.
2: Thank you, duality yeah, and man. I always I always real. bring that to the forefront because you, know, you can't go into a, any situation with one specific mindset. You got to be open to either or. You know what I mean? I, you know, always remember that a warrior that chooses peace knows violence. Hmm. So they, they know where it is to go to that space, and maybe they lived a very tumultuous life or whatever. But if that person's like, I don't want to fight you, I don't want to go there, just know that there's a reason why they don't want to go there. Like Andrew
0: Tate was recently saying that, saying, like Yo, there's people that talk of war, 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 go fight, go do this. But when you've been through the war, you're yeah. like, Yo, if we can do peace, let's do let's peace. Let's do peace. If we yeah. can squash it, let's squash it. Yeah.
2: There's casualties in that when, when, when you go to that space, and people don't realize it, and it's not just physical psychological it's emotional it's spiritual it's deeper than just what the you know plain sight is
0: absolutely yeah. so that's the mental mental health outreach team mental yeah. health outreach You have, yeah you have let's some, do it let's yeah. do it
1: so that job is insane i don't know how yonkers is but i know in general with police and law enforcement mm-hmm. those type of uh, civil service jobs it comes with a lot of mental health issues, Mm -hmm. suicide. The suicide rate is high, the divorce rate is high, the alcoholism and drug abuse rate is high. How do you deal with it, and how do you help people with it? Um, So with me, I just make sure that
2: I make sure my cup is full, you know, so I have a routine that I go through every single day. Sometimes, you know, life gets busy and I don't get to do it every day, but for the most part, you know, I wake up in the morning, quick little prayer, you know, some meditation, some journaling. Um, I'm a big reader of quotes. So I get, you know, I got a little app that has quotes in it. Um, I'll jot that down in my journal. And then I kind of start my day. I move my body, honor my gifts, and then I go about that. And that's what mm-hmm. keeps me in in like the, what I call the gray space, right? The, the neutral space. Um, because it releases those, that that like, you know, serotonin. Right, those you know, that dopamine release, and and I'm fucking, I'm good, I'm good to go, you know. So I'll do that, and then when I walk out of the door, I'm middle ground, right? I'm not, I'm not walking out angry. I'm not walking out like super sad, right? I'm, I'm in a good space. And so now when I interact with the world, I'm, I'm in a neutral zone, and I, I try not to, even if I'm having a bad day, I try not to let that bleed over into other people's day.
0: Sounds like you don't uh, attach yourself to any extreme. No. You can't, bro. And, and you're like that. And I wonder if it's a part of... If it's like people like that are good at these things, like you're a great cop, SWAT guy, future mm-hmm. detective, God willing. And you were, I'm sure, a very successful of your... Uh, oh, they cop. loved me in there. <laughs> for 10 years. Because <laughs> I was
1: down for anything. And, <laughs> I was the guy that was down for anything. They know to call me, sure. When I to think, think twice.
0: About, yeah, and I think about that because I, I knew Francisco since he was like three years old. Yeah. He was always even keel type guy mm-hmm. and i knew you for a long time yourself and you always you know i I seen you get where where you know rowdy a little bit but it's uh-huh, never uh-huh. as the aggressor yes yeah but um yeah it's weird that you both of you have that same you know
1: what's crazy is right? we're both gemini i don't believe in and that stuff gemini, but not <laughs> I yeah, I'm, it? I'm not a horoscope guy yeah, because yeah, then it
0: starts leading you to believe certain things it puts the thoughts in your. In your head for yeah. you to act a certain way, which yeah. which isn't right.
1: And they say if you believe in horoscopes, you don't really believe in God because there's two different belief systems. So you can't really yeah, 100% believe in one, I mean, you know, look, 100%. Could it,
0: could it be a category that God uses just like God uses science and mathematics, you know, assuming you believe in God? But I don't know. But I, I, I don't buy into the horoscope stuff. I think God gave us free will for a reason. I do like, by the way, that that you take care of the mental, physical, and spiritual before you leave the the, the house. The tr- or I call whatever it your, I call your, your call your the Holy Residence.
2: Trinity. That's what I call the it. The Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity. If you have those three things, then you are in complete homeostasis. And so part of my job description is I'm a peer supporter. So if something happens at work, right, I'm the guy that goes and has a conversation with that person. Hey, how's that? How you feeling, man? Like, you know, what'd you see today? If there's anything you want to talk about? Hey, I'm here to talk about that. You know, and I, I advise them of two things, yeah, right? So... For those of you who don't know, if you ever experience a traumatic situation or episode, there's two things you're supposed to stay away from. That's alcohol and caffeine. Right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the first thing I tell these guys. Like, listen, man, stay away from coffee for about, you know, 24 to 48 hours. Stay away from alcohol. Because that affects your REM sleep. And REM sleep is how we, as humans, process trauma. Right? So if you're not being able to, that's why when you mentioned that you haven't had a good night's rest since 2007, it probably was some kind of traumatic event that happened. And... That's probably why you can't get that REM sleep or that that full night's rest.
0: So One day I tell that story. Your brother was involved in that story <laughs> in 2007. Yeah, but but um,
2: that goes back to what you were saying, man. So, you know, I'm the guy that goes out there and, and has that conversation. And I'm also the guy that people come to when they just want to chat. You know what I mean? Like, hey, man. you know.
0: And, and this is what your peers, you said.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also do that with the community as well. Right. So oh, okay. we specialize in, like, homelessness and people who are in need of, like, substance abuse uh, care, right? So if you're looking to go to rehab, if you're looking to, you know, go to a, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, we can align you with services, right, to get you there. You know, there's, we have, there's several programs out here, like Hope Not Handcuffs, where if someone is addicted to drugs and they, and they want to go to a facility, there's that Hope Not Handcuffs will come to the spot and pick this person that and take them to a
0: rehab facility. Uh, would you say that there's too many... I mean, there's way too many drug addicts slash mental pay, uh, health... It's all one in the same, man. ...in in prison oh, hell that yeah. shouldn't be there? Yeah. Right? They, so they
1: But, you know, they do at the best that they can, the system, to, like, put all those people in one unit. That way mm-hmm. they all get the same help. And obviously, working that unit knows we got to deal with these people differently. Because if you just have them all scattered... It's going to be chaos. Yeah. How long Put has them it all been together
0: like that? Because I thought down. the big knock was if you're on drugs or you have a mental problem, you get locked up with everybody else. And that's why the cycle keeps continuing.
1: I started in 2010, summer of 2010. Yeah. And mental health was, was in action already. So it was already happening when I started. You, you, yeah. you started the PD before me, right? Yeah, so I got it in 2010? 2005. All right. So it go- wasn't as prevalent as it, yeah. as it was
2: in like 2010. Yeah. Like right. it, you, you started to see as the years went on. It was more of a focal point on it. Um, You know, like we deal with them in the street, right? So, you know, you take them to the psych unit, they get evaluated, they get sent to a mental health hospital, right? They're there for whatever duration of time, then they get released back out. Or they may present like they don't have any issues and get let out within an hour or two, and then they commit a crime and then end up going in somewhere. And then, you know, they end up in a a psych unit in the prison. So, you know, we're going to 730, this guy, he's in this unit over there. And there's a bunch of other guys just like him. So they know that this particular ward or this particular um, unit is specifically for that. And and the street is a little different because they're all over the fucking place. And um, what I've noticed in the last like six to seven years, it is a lot more prevalent than it was a decade ago.
0: The mental health
2: problem. 1,000%. I don't know if it has something to do with like COVID or, you know, a combination of COVID and, and other things, some societal things. I don't know, but... I know there has been a huge pickup
0: in that. Would you, would you say half of, you said they keep it segregated. Of course. right. And would you say that people shouldn't be there if they have this mental problem or this drug problem? They shouldn't even be in your facility? Like Westchester, uh, West, uh, Valhalla, yeah, we call it Valhalla, but Westchester County Corrections Facility. Right next door, they have the mental health facility. Right. So I would assume if you catch somebody, you lock them up for, you know, not that you're on the street anymore. But um, if you did that, you would send them to let's pretend you were at Westchester Medical Center. Right, he would what's the chance of this guy goes to the prison versus to the mental.
1: Section? I, I think it has to do with the evaluation. Yeah.
0: And that happens after it gets locked up?
1: Well, I used to work for the state. So even, they, even though they were in county or city corrections, when they come to the state, we do our own evaluation. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we know where to disperse that inmate. So you guys, the police?
0: Or like an in-house correction of, well,
1: yeah, the, the mental health doctor.
0: The mental health doctor. Yeah, the, the, the person
1: doing the evaluation is a mental health person. It's not a correction officer. So
0: what about the people that pretend? They just either get caught or they
1: don't? Well, the, 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 the part that sucks about the people pretending is you have to play the game with them. If they say they're going to kill themselves and you know they're just doing this because they, they have an ulterior motive, you have to go along with it because they said those magic words. Yeah. So you, you kind of have uh, to play the game with them, but the the, the the doctors know who's real and who isn't. They can tell just even by their history, by their, by their uh, medical history and stuff like that.
0: What about somebody incarcerated, starts showing signs, this guy's starting to act a little, you know, like he has problems. What do you do? do it's you... up to the
1: officer to to call mental health and tell them, look, this oh, this inmate's acting a little weird. Would people do that? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like because I'm saying. If you want your day to go smooth, you would do it. You want your unit to be smooth, and you notice one guy got bad news on the phone. Now he's acting weird. I would call. Hundred percent.
0: Would you guys both say the most dangerous encounter you could have is with somebody in a mental health situation?
1: Those versus... are actually my favorite. My favorite inmates to ever work with were, were those because. They're pretty straight up. They're they're not really out to maneuver and and be sneaky. The smart inmates, the ones that are just career criminals, those are the scary ones because they're plotting all day every day. Those are, they're smarter than us because we're there for eight hours. They're there for 24 hours a day. They know more about they it. Know the yeah, they know everything. They know when every officer uses the bathroom. They know when they take their, their little lunch breaks or whatever. They know every every detail. Yeah. And they, know, walk right? yeah, yeah. they walk around looking stupid. Yeah, They walk around like they're, they're just dumb and just playing along, but they know everything. And they're running the whole jail. The inmates run the jail. Wow. We're just security guards. Your yeah, yeah, father man. was <laughs> a
0: correction officer, yeah, right? Yeah, Riker's Island. Yeah, man. Friend, you ever worked in uh, Rikers I Island?
1: Never. And I, I would never. It, it, was, it was a big uh, pay raise, but hell no, it ain't worth it. They pay yeah, more because you're doing more. Yeah. Yeah, my dad sitting. was
2: there during like the heyday, too. Like, my God, like I early can't even 90s, imagine. Like, yeah, yeah shit was wild.
1: Can't even imagine. Yeah. I heard the SEALs are even gang members. Yeah, bro. <laughs> it's, wow. it's, it's
0: crazy, man. It's crazy out there. How do you think you would do as a correction officer, and is it something you ever thought about doing
2: yeah, that was the first job I was gonna take. I was gonna take uh, state oh. corrections, and my father was like, "No." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was like, <laughs> "Nah, no, nah. like, no, yeah." No, my dad like, was like Jesus nah, said, not doing- like God said, yeah. Nah. He was like, "Nah, man, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want that for you. I think you would do better on the street. It's something different every day, and it is, man. And, and I thank my father for that, um, making me rethink my decision. I just wanted to get on, so I was gonna take the first job that came. Yeah, he was like, "Nah, you wait." And called me.
0: With his skill set and his uh, cool attitude, he would have been probably pretty good. Oh, yeah. They, they, I yeah. forgot
1: what it's called, but they have like a SWAT version inside the facility yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that handles they. those type of yeah. crises. Um, ESU or ECU or something like that. Yeah. And then also, you were saying earlier where you, where you help other officers, that's EAP, right? We had that yeah, also. Yeah, we got an EAP program, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Employee so Assistance EAP. Program, yeah. where, you, where you help I'm any. An
2: EAP po- uh, peer. Peer support.
0: And the divorce rate and the suicide rate and these negative statistics you brought up earlier, they're pretty much yeah. on par with each other with police work and, and yeah. uh, correctional officers. Yeah, any kind
2: of law enforcement right. or of like first responder work because yeah. it's shift work, right? And you're dealing with high stress situations, you know, and you're seeing traumatic things. And then you go home and some people don't know how to uh, unpack that, right? So if you see somebody who hung themselves or see somebody who set themselves on fire, that's a gory, traumatic thing to see. And now if you don't sit down and talk to somebody about it, right? You go home and it may be, you know, you're a little despondent when you go home and your significant other is like, hey, what's wrong with you? You get agitated because they're asking you, but you just really don't want to be bothered. Mm-hmm. So then that creates friction in the household. And then that's what kind of starts to become the tumbleweed that turns into a fucking boulder. and It's yeah. a space where you have issues at home. I could see that being an issue. So what
0: is it that the people originally like somebody sees that and a police officer doesn't want to talk about it? Is it mandatory to talk to have counseling? No, no, no. But like, e- like even, even just talking to your peers,
2: right? You, you, you know, you go out after work and alcohol is part of the culture, right? But like I, like I just mentioned, you see a traumatic situation. You're not supposed to have alcohol or caffeine. What is the two things that first responders consume the most? Alcohol and caffeine. So it's like, you're seeing this shit day after day, day after day. And you're seeing people at their worst. And I think it's even more so worse on the inside because these guys are confined to one space. Right? They get like an hour wreck and then they're back inside. You know what I'm saying? So you're seeing people and humans are social creatures, right? So that's why in a lot of places they took away solitary confinement. So if somebody does something crazy, they put them in a the hole. And, you know, everybody knows you going in that hole for fucking... However, many days that person comes out a little bit different. So now this person <laughs> constantly goes through that over a, a 10 year bid. You, every time you go into solitary, you lose a piece of your mind. So now this guy, in the course of a decade, he's been in the hole fucking six times. He, he doesn't stand a chance. He's gonna go out and his mental health's gonna deteriorate. And then when you go out into the world, now you have to reassimilate, right? And adjust to the changes in the world. You, 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 there's no way. There's no way that person's being set up to fail that's why you have a lot of repeat offenders you know like now there's, there's, there's some new laws coming into place where like you know certain things get taken off your record so now you kind of have like a, a second chance at life you know so
0: well you still need the whole package the whole support system opportunities guidance most people don't have that
2: yeah i mean that's a factor as well you got you know environmental factors right you don't have a support system how are you going to be successful Set yourself up for 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 downfall, you
1: know? You go back to the same lifestyle and same neighborhood, you got arrested.
2: Yeah, man. It's like, yeah, it's not easy to to get out Food for the wolves, man.
1: So there's, I think there's two different types of officers. There's some that just take, it's business to them. They punch and they punch out. Other ones, they really put their heart into it. They're they're all in. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between those officers, you think? You think the ones that put their heart and all into it, those are the ones that end up taking it home and really needing that help?
2: Yeah. So I, I I tell my guys this and I, I tell my friends this. Make sure like whatever it is that you do, like for a profession, it's not your life. Right. It's just a job. It's a career. Right. So you were something else before you had this job. Right. So you're a father, a brother, a cousin, a friend, a boyfriend, whatever, whatever it is that you are. You, you wear many different hats. Don't let your job dictate who you are as a human being. To put more emphasis on the things outside of work than work, because work is only whatever amount of hours that you're there.
0: That's difficult for a lot of people because yeah. that's their identity. Like you ask somebody, "Hey, what's up?" Like if I, if you introduce yourself, "Hey, that's Francisco. He's a uh, he's a real estate investor." You don't say, "Oh, that's Francisco. He's a son of whoever, yeah. brother of whoever, right?" Family man, Francisco. Nobody says that. I,
2: I make it a thing too. Like if I meet people, I never tell them what my profession is. Like if you think about this, right? How many times do you went to a party or been in a room and be like, "Oh, that guy's a cop." <laughs> yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't got the haircut. Not, I mean, you wearing a hat, but yeah, you don't got the look of a cop. But
2: yeah, like, like there's some exactly. But how the fuck people, does someone look like a cop? Because like, there's a look,
0: ah, right? There's it. There's the a, way they stand, the yeah, way they it, the,
2: the body language, the, the hair. Yes. The,
0: yeah. So like. Like the John Cena look, everybody says, you look like John Cena, where you're wearing like like hip-hop stuff, but you still look like that white guy. You know, that's the cop, undercover cop. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So
2: there's, a, there's like a, um, almost like a cardboard cutout of what a cop looks like, right? Body language, the the demeanor. So mm-hmm. you got to think about these things, right? If you start to fall into that, because you wasn't always a cop, you didn't always stand like this, you didn't always do, you got to always reconnect to who you were before you put on that uniform. I think what happens is people get really engulfed because this is a position of power, right? You have the ability to take someone's freedom, potentially take somebody's life. And some people get really uh, um, drunk off of power. Oh, yeah. and, and And they, they really like, oh, I'm a cop. This is what I am. This is what I do. And it's, dude, when you take off that uniform, you're a regular person just like anybody else. You know, and people forget that shit, you know. And if you do this shit long enough, you forget who you were before. So I always tell people, man, figure out something to do outside of work. Where, because you can get in trouble, get suspended for 30 days, and then, then who are you? You know? Yeah. Who You know? Who are you? Uh, I'm the cop that's suspended? No, you're not. Now you're just a regular mother. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now you're just a regular motherfucker. So figure that shit out, man.
1: That's true. <clears throat> so when it comes to your mental health, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned meditation, exercise, and a few other things you do in the morning, especially... But how far do you take it? Do you have a therapist? How 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 far do you go to help yourself? Yeah,
2: yeah, I have a therapist, man. Um, and I wasn't always big on it, and that's why anybody who's who's watching this or listening to this, uh, I was very reluctant to even go into that space because there was a negative connotation with it, right? Like, oh, you seen a the therapist, you cuckoo, right? You crazy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like even culturally, like you know, I'm African. UFOs now. And see yeah, 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 you know, in Latino culture, it's like, yo, you need God, bro. You're not crazy. You just need Jesus, you know. So. Um, I, I I got to I got to a place in life where, I actually, a friend was like, "Yo, what, what happened to you, bro? Like, you're not you. It's not the Jason that I know that I love. Here, I'm gonna give you a number to somebody that I truly respect, and you can have a conversation with them and maybe unpack what's going on in your life." And I was blown away that this person <laughs> said this shit to me because I didn't realize it. So I, I I always tell people this is the analogy that I use: going to therapy is like. You're in the middle of a a 12 round fight and you're getting the shit kicked out of you and you go into the corner, right? And your cut man and your corner guy, your trainer's in the corner and they're they're like, all right, man, let's, let's, let's figure out something here because you're getting fucked up. And so life is the simulation of the ring, right? And, and, And the opponent and the corner man and the cut person, that's your support system. That's your therapist. And that's what, like, going to therapy is. Because I think some people, like, think that, oh, I'm going to therapy. I'm fucking crazy. It's not that you're crazy. It's just you're going through some shit. You don't realize you're in the middle of something. Somebody's got to, you know, hey, man,
0: you're not you. Like, Yeah, that's a good analogy. Because you like start that. picking up things and it becomes a part of you. Like, you. like you said, you go to work, something crazy happened. You come home. All of a sudden, it pisses you off that your wife talks to you. And now it's because of that thing you picked up. And now it's a part of you.
1: I yeah. like yeah I like that analogy because when you're the one fighting you're you're in the zoomed in version of the problem the yeah. problem is your opponent the people on your corner they're seeing it from back here yeah. like, do you see the way he's using they his right a foot got full
2: scope yeah. yeah that's why the like guy you know that. training be like yo man Throw the jab out. Then hit him with the cross. Yeah. Mm. But you don't know that because you get fucking, psh, get fucking... Yeah, you you're catch so jab to the fucking nose. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, pun, yeah. you know? so having that outside person say, let's redirect your energy and start doing some other things.
1: And also, and, when, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. When you're the fighter, you think you're the best.
2: <laughs> and He took the words yeah, right out of my mouth. Point. You yeah. think you're winning, you know? And then yeah. you go into the corner and like yo, you're down, fucking four rounds, <laughs> yeah. and your like fucking Rocky nose is broke. Yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't see, man. Cause you hit the one in the middle, like <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. that's what it is. That's what it, it really is. And you, you know, sometimes we get we we get caught up, man. You just don't realize that you're caught up. So I I, I thank that person that gave me the opportunity to to speak to that to that therapist because I'm still seeing that therapist to this day.
0: So people think, oh, if you got mental health, you're going to be on drugs and this. That doesn't guarantee that you're on drugs just because you're seeing a, yeah, a therapist I, or a medical professional. Some
2: some people don't need to take medication, man. And that's another thing. Like, you, you might go to a therapist and your therapist is like, no, nah, you don't need to take any medication. Or you might need it. I don't know. I mean, I was fortunate enough that I was never asked to take meds or it was never recommended. It was just some lifestyle changes that I had to make. And I did, And.
0: Can you, it, without getting into detail, would you what what would be some advice for somebody that's not ready to take that step, but they can maybe implement those lifestyle changes in their own life?
2: Have a conversation with somebody that you trust and respect, that you that you know has like your best interest at hand,
0: and would we'll yeah. tell you the truth, and right? would
2: we'll tell you the truth about you. Yeah, because I th- you know a lot of us have friends that are just yes men, but, They aren't really yeah. friends. You know, like get somebody who really believes and knows who you are. To be like, all right, man. You, you, something's wrong. It's not you know. It's not you.
0: I would say I I always say that life is is what you is how you feel, and what you eat, because you can eat junk and just feel like shit all the time, like the McDonald's super Size me guy video, right? Mm-hmm. That Netflix guy, and then how you feel about things, how you're looking at things, how you associate yourself with something, unlike what you guys do, right? Where you you know, you're um, on the outskirt of some emotion or some experience because you're living in a moment, not thinking about what you could have done or should have done. Uh, in, in religion, they call that empty, emptying yourself, right? Where you're not attached. Okay. Yeah, like, you're. so I'm not attached to this emotion. You know, I'm not attached to this idea or this feeling. I use that to get to get over when a traumatic event in my life, you know, where if, if you can let go... Of what you're feeling and what you're thinking and what you want to happen and what should have happened what could have happened you know makes a big difference in, in, in moving forward Uh yeah. mind holds you down in, in that point yeah i know? mean and then the other part i would say to the religious people would be to let god in you know all right now forget my idea what i thought what i want how i feel how i think you you know let the inflow come from god you got to submit and submit and now, for someone, you know, maybe not like you said. Some people are religious, some people spiritual. At the end of the day, it, it really comes down to that lifestyle. You know, if you can't, if every day uh, you're attached to everything and everything pisses you off, and you're internalizing everything and holding on to everything, you can't live in a moment at all. And then it's just disastrous, you know. So, so yeah, like I said, the um, how you feel, you know, how you're thinking. And what you're putting into your body matters matters a lot. And you're a big fitness guy, right? Yeah, yeah, huge. Would you say that that helps you? Because you said sleep, mindset, right? The spiritual, you take care of that with the prayers. That all that all is integrated. Yeah, right. With the with the exercise, with the way you you're eating, your your weight training, your lifting.
1: Discipline. Oh, it it's all part of discipline. Yeah. It's all
0: part of yeah. It all without the discipline, you can't get to any of this stuff. So it seems like it's pretty hard and nearly impossible for anybody to <laughs> to, to, to be happy like that. Right? No,
2: life's about life's about balance, <laughs> bro.
0: Impossible? I mean, I mean, look, you gotta eat right. I mean, if you were the example, right? You're saying, oh, you you're a physically fit guy. You gotta eat right, you gotta think right, you gotta sleep right. You know, all of this is very hard. I mean, it's I'm assuming you're not like your coffee probably doesn't have sugar,
1: right. probably
0: hasn't had sugar in your coffee. For what? For 20 years? N- no, you
2: no, no, I mean. no. Like, so it, life is about balance. I, like, I always tell people that. It's, uh, and people's like, everything in moderation. No, it's about balance. You know what works for you, right? So if I told you to do something, you automatically know, like Jason just told me to do this, I am not fucking doing it because it's not me. But you know what works for you, right? So if you have like a 60 40 plan, like I'm going to eat good for 60% of the time, and then 40% of the time I'll have a little cheat meal or do whatever. At least you know that it's a 60-40 instead of like you trying to just live clean, you know? Yeah, yeah. So then that 60-40 turns into a fucking maybe 70-30 or 80-20. It eventually gets better. But you know the balance. You know the walls in which you can operate in. If I tell you to do something or I ask you to do something that you know in your mind is impossible, that you just will never adhere to it, you have to think about it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle change. I hate the word diet. There's no such thing as a diet. It's a, you have to make a lifestyle change. Because it's more than just restricting calories and knowing what to eat, when to eat it. It's about paying attention to how you feel and what the food is going to do for your body, right? And so I eat – so people look at me like, how do you eat that shit? I'm like, it doesn't taste bad to me. I'm like, <laughs> or even like greens and stuff. Yeah, like green yeah. Or, or whatever it is that I eat that people look at me like, that shit's healthy. Like, how do you eat it? You don't have to associate shitty taste with healthy foods. Cause maybe I think a burger tastes like shit, you know, like it's all based on perspective. So I know that my body works better this way when I eat like this, but I also know that I feel better when I, when I eat like this. So the fact that I know that I feel better and mentally, I get mental fog when I eat like shit. Sure. So I know that in order for me to reach homeostasis, I got to eat good. I got to hydrate and it's not hard to do. You just have to make it a part of your lifestyle. And some people refuse to To alter their lifestyle because they're so comfortable, stuck, yeah, in that complacency. They just, I'm here. This is
0: where I exist, and I'm not moving from here. Arms folded, ten toes down. I'm not doing yeah. nothing else but this. My cousin used to say, "I don't eat to, I eat to live, not live, live to, to eat." eat. Yep. And yeah, that, that makes a big difference. Sounds Absolutely. like you. Yeah, you, I eat. For,
2: I eat for function, bro. Like, I mean, obviously, it it, it it tastes good, but I know, like, as I've gotten older, there's certain shit I can't get away with. You know what I mean? I can't, you know, if I go, if I have a bad weekend, like drinking or eating some shitty food, I'm paying that price. Yeah. Like in either my, my, uh, my digestive tract is fucked up or I got brain fog or I'm just lethargic and I just don't like the way I feel, you know, like, I do I have a glass of wine here and there? Yeah, sure. But like, I know I, I can't do more than that. Like, I can't go out and booze like I used to when I was in my twenties and days are done.
0: Yeah. I would say I'm my best self. Physically and especially mentally, when I intermittent fast, and I'm in like 22 hours, 24 hours, 30 hours. You know, That's some spiritual like shit a, right there. If you a, get to that that level of fasting, that is takes willpower. I did it for years and lost a good amount of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I, because it was a lifestyle thing, it wasn't, you Thank know. Thank you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Changed. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I think because of being a Catholic and, and fasting the Arabic way or the Arab way, um, you know, it, a full forty days for Lent season. A full forty-six days, like the Orthodox. I've done that, you know. Thank God, plenty of oh, times. That's dope, bro. Yeah. So when it came to like, oh, I can intermittent fast just for twelve hours. <laughs> I didn't eat meat for forty-six days. <laughs> I love it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can do that. Yeah. You know,
2: um, that's fire. I didn't know you did that.
0: Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for that, oh, I'll, I'll go nuts because I can focus and concentrate like laser. For I mean, I can look at like four calendars. And dissect every every appointment with thirty, forty variables and think clearly at the same See, time.
2: You, you know you're you your points. See?
0: Yeah, I was in school at, at night after after work. Before I was when I took a, a long break from fasting and I'm dozing off at eight thirty. When I'm fasting I start studying after school. Oh wow. Like after the class, it's ten, eleven at night and I've still got the energy to, to study. That's All because of the intermittent fasting. That's wild, eh? I didn't know you did that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I need to do it, and, and I feel.
2: Yeah, I fast like maybe basically. between fourteen and sixteen hours a day.
0: Yeah, because are you into like the protein every two hours because you a workout guy? Right? Nah, man, I don't even do that, dog. I
2: just I gave up meat for a very long time. I was plant based for like six years. You kept the muscle on. Yeah, but I, I like, I almost feel like I, I put so much muscle on my frame by that point. It's just a, you know, that you don't lose that overnight, right? It's gonna take me. Decades to lose the amount of muscle that I put on. I was able to. I got smaller. I got leaner, but I, got, I didn't lose the muscle mass. I was still a muscular guy. People weren't like, "Oh, that's a little guy." Yeah, <laughs> you know.
1: So what? What made you go back and forth to no meat and then back to meat?
0: Um, <laughs> the fried chicken spot. Around, no the man. Spot, or the Chinese uh, store around the corner.
2: I, I made a decision oh. this summer to go back to eating meat. When I went to, uh, I was in Italy, and um, I was I, I was in Sicily. And uh, I went to this place called uh, Toramina, which is, it was a gladiator amphitheater. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, for some reason, my spirit is moved when I'm in places like that. I don't know why. Maybe I was a warrior in my last life. I don't know. <laughs> but I was in Sicily. I remember that shit just clicked. It was like the lady was talking about a gladiator diet, which is predominantly like vegetarian. But when they came across meat, they ate meat, but they predominantly ate vegetarian. I was already eating like that before I was even on the the primarily plant-based. And, I, you know, I'm like... If I want lamb, I'll eat lamb. If I want steak, I'll eat steak. But I'm not going to eat it every day. Because I know, like, red meat doesn't really... My body, when I have it, I perform a lot better, like, weightlifting-wise, right? So I'll move more weight because it naturally has, like, iron in it, creatine that the animal has that, you know, that your body takes. And sometimes you're in a deficiency. You don't realize it. Because I've noticed if I have a steak, the next day I go lift, I have tremendous numbers. And, like, your body low-key craves it, you know? Um, I just got to a space where I don't want to eat meat because of at the expense of another animal I'm benefiting from it and I and I was in a healing process in my life where I no longer wanted to create hurt in the world right so that's why I gave up eating meat because I didn't want any any animal to lose its life in order for me to benefit from it and you know who I got that from I got that from styles yeah. styles ruined the whole meal for me one day <laughs> and uh styles uh, the rapper, yeah in the yeah, yeah styles p shout out to the ghost but um yeah i was at the i was at the juice bar i was getting like a, a shake but i had uh, I remember i had big chicken basmati rice and broccoli and he, he was like yo what you got in there and i was like you know a little big chicken basmati rice and some vegetables and he started breaking down the meat he said you know what gender it was Do you know how it was killed Do you know how old it was Do you know what it ate and i was like i ain't eating this shit and then i didn't eat it I went on a Daniel fast for 72 hours, where I only have fruits and vegetables in like liquid form. So I had like shakes, or, like I had like green shakes, and then a uh, fruit shake, but I didn't have any like, um, like like real food. And they say on the third day, it's like everything you smell is in HD. And, it, and you know when Daniel was in the line, when uh, when when Daniel was in the lion's den, they said a lot From the Bible, yeah, it's you know the third day was the, the most challenging day, and it, I shit you not, man. It was like I was smelling steak and it never smelled so great in my life. And I'm not really a red meat guy, but that's the temptation that I was able to to get past that. And, dude, I felt great, man. You yeah. know, I yeah, felt yeah. great. I was like, yo, I'm, I'm, you know, it was my body kind of cleansing itself, you know. So I had mental clarity, just like you're saying. And I was like, I think I'm going to stick with it. And I stuck with it and my body started to change. Like I got the leanest I've ever been was when I was like primarily like plant based.
0: Yeah, you know, I equate it to like like a plastic bag. You know, like imagine you're putting all these heavy books and rocks and stuff in your bag, carrying that shit around everywhere versus you're putting, you know, light stuff in your bag or if you're fasting, you know, from zero food, it's just floating and you're just chilling, you know, with the E. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a big difference, I would say. So besides, so sports, professionally, police work, sports uh a big part of your life bicycling old school um what was it uh skating yeah rollerblading yeah rollerblading <laughs> yeah, was right? my shit in high school yeah you won some like you were telling us the duathlon. Mm-hmm. yeah you, you won first place yeah so let me ask you in, in that race i looked it up earlier your first is so it's a four mile run yeah and four then mile a run. 10 mile bicycle yeah in one Setting, no, no, (laughs) stop. Yeah, you got to transition, no pit stops.
2: Yeah, you change your shoes to get on the bike because we were clippings on the bike. That's the only time you stop, so you ran and they they, they, they kind of lied here. So it wasn't four miles. They oh. fucked up the loops. So I, I, we ended up running four and a half. It was 4.55 oh. oh, miles. Oh, that big half. That you know, that life, shit makes that a thing. difference, bro, because, yeah. like...
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if fuck you... Because you're training for four?
2: Well, you know when your brain is four, right? If I tell you, all right, you got to walk three miles, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you get to three, and they're like, nah, that shit is way down
1: there. Yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. like,
2: fuck! You know, like, it, it. it's a mind fuck. And so for me, it, it, it was me and my brother, and my brother, I remember we hit the four-mile mark, and... You start where you end on the run where the bikes are, and we didn't see the bikes, and my brother looked at me, and his head went down. I'm like, yo, come on. We just got to keep running, and so I wanted to get on that bike and fly on that fucking bike because we're from Westchester, right? There's nothing but hills around here. Oh, yeah, especially. So this whole run was in uh, Virginia. It was all flat. So i was hyped about it i was like oh yeah ain't no fucking hills i ride i ride hills every day it's like
0: boxing with weights and yeah then you take yeah, up, yeah, the then up the weights you just letting yeah. the hands fly
2: so when i was on the bike i just wanted to take off man and then the guy who won it was in front of me and i was like i'm gonna catch this dude i, I you know i didn't do it to be competitive i did it just to, to you know for the to partake in fellowship with my with my cousins and my brother and then i saw the guy who like won it, and i'm like i'm gonna catch him <laughs>
0: and then I, I was looking at the participants. There was 29 people, or maybe half female, half male. Uh, the youngest person, I believe, was 20, 26. Yeah. And then, so you beat a 26 year old, you beat a bunch of 35 year olds, 34 year olds. I won my
2: age group and I won the overall. I was shocked.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Shocked. There was a couple of 50 and 60 year olds. So yeah, say yeah, they yeah. weren't in your, even though the top 10 finalists. There was a 56 year old. who was like number six. Yeah. It was like I was like oh shit. So he even can be, beat the third, the 20 year old.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to go down there and not not make a, like a fool of myself. Yeah. So <laughs> so I you know I wasn't going in there with any kind of expectations. I just wanted there to just not suck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean you, you're good at that. You're good at that. I'm not sucking. So I saw you in in a in another competition. I believe it was. I, I I think I saw it on YouTube. Yeah, right? the battle bunker. The, the battle, battle bunker, bunker. Yeah. and that was. And there were like uh, a police officer, SWAT member, Jay LaCow, and it was like a whole. It looked like in the desert, like. It
2: was. It was in Simi Valley in L.A. I got flown out on a Friday night, competed Saturday morning. And you won that one too. Yeah,
1: I'm because he
2: didn't want to suck. I didn't want to suck, bro. I don't like looking like 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 I'm not gonna do well. You know, so. I went out there with, the expectations of trying to win because the way they spoke about the other guy yeah like oh, this dude's pretty fit you know he's yeah, this, i saw he's the big. other
0: guy anybody that looks at you and looks at that guy is gonna think you're gonna win what did they tell you about this guy he was the guy behind the door with the six
2: <laughs> so when we got out there i flew in first so i had to wait at the uh the airport with the with the host of the show so he pulls up in his truck he goes hey you know, my, you know my name's alex nice to meet you we gotta wait for the no, his name is Austin. Austin Alexander is his name. And he goes, yeah, uh, we got to wait for the other guy to show up. You know, he's from Mobile, Alabama. He's a pretty fit firefighter. I'm
0: thinking a monster's going to come off this plane
2: <laughs> jacked up. Yo,
0: this is like American Gladiator shit. Yeah. Just uh, in a desert win like, an army set of goals. Yeah, almost. it's got, like, you know? an
2: army-style uh, obstacle course or whatever. And then there was, like, two other events. So there's five set up for the day in case you split. But if you win three, you, you, uh, you go home with the – it was, like, $500 and, like, a $700 watch. I was yeah. like, all right, cool. I'm coming to get this money.
0: Yeah. And But yeah, I was like, well, You want to win regardless. Yeah, yeah. I
2: don't want to be out here and do five events, right? So the first event was the obstacle course. I'd seen it on the show. I was like, right, I'm trying to smoke this shit. And I saw the dude come off the plane. I'm like, this is the guy? And no disrespect to homie, respectfully. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, this is the guy that you think is going to give me a problem? I said, nah. Um, and and I, I just went, I went all out on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on the obstacle course. And then the second one was like this ball throw. And I, I trained like that. I don't think this guy trained like that. yeah So I'm like, oh, I'm going to smoke this dude. <laughs> so basically, there was like a mid marker. And then they do like a jump ball. And you had to throw the ball. but the, the, the stipulations of throwing the ball is you couldn't throw it forward. You had to throw it backward. And I trained like that. So I already knew that I had that in the bag. And then the last event, which was the shittiest event, was a sled drag up a hill. And I didn't know where the hill stopped. So this guy was a trail runner. So I don't, and at the time, I wasn't really running like that. Now I run, but I wasn't running like that. So I'm like, fuck, I got to go up this big hill, and I don't know where it ends. I said, I'm just going to reserve my tank. I'm going to stay slightly behind him. And then when I can see where the shit ends, I'm going to turn it up.
0: And that's what you did in a race, I noticed.
2: You yeah, know, yeah.
0: It, one was like, what I got? over there 39 minutes. And then you turned around and finished it and two minutes earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he finished the first lap or whatever is considered in eighth place. Yeah. And then said, fuck it, because of the endurance. Yeah. You know, and the stamina and all that I like start stuff. better you're and when, when I go slow.
2: And then as the race goes on or whatever goes on, I get better as it goes on. I don't, if I start so fast, I'll, I'll just burn out.
0: You're not a quick guy. No, right. not They're not like in, in endurance sports. Spaces. Yeah, not not okay. not
2: endurance sports. In, in sprinting, I'm still pretty fast, but in endurance sports, because I'm a bigger dude, it just takes a while to heat up the engine.
0: And what about the um, the weightlifting? Are you like a deadlift guy? Because I always see you doing a deadlift. I think. right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So my how um, much can you lift? My my best deadlift ever: 615 pounds.
0: <laughs> wow, oh, man. that's yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. You imagine him coming up you for swamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was a fucking Captain America.
2: <laughs> oh, Shit. Yeah, my best deadlift was 615. My best back. How old school. were you? Oh, dude, I was like in the late 30s, bro. I wasn't. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we had a 1,000 pound challenge at my job last year and I won it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, like, I'm, I'm competitive, but like low key competitive with myself. It has nothing to do with the person to the left or the right of me. It's just I, I like to be good, I like to be relevant in my mind. So I just.
0: 650 deadlift, meaning there's a, a bar on a floor with 650 pounds?
2: 615, yeah.
0: 15 yeah. pounds. Oh, yeah. yeah. God forbid, yeah. an extra 35 pounds. <laughs> so then you're lifting it from the floor yeah, to the, the ground floor. by yourself with yeah. no help and putting it back down or, yes, or dropping it, right? No,
2: putting put, put put it, it, back, it down. back down. Yeah, they won't let you. If you go to the top of the lift and let it go, it's a no rep. You got to bring it, it back down count. to the ground. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Wow. Friend, how much can you that? I never even tried. <laughs> man, yeah, I can do push up Man, wow, that's insane stuff. And uh, and you're a football coach, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, coach up at Yorktown.
0: I'm guessing that's like your favorite thing.
2: I love football, man. The
0: camaraderie, um, the the how old are the the, the people He's are high school, you?
2: he's a high school age kid. So I started out with J V and then I was assistant. I was assistant on J V and this year I was an assistant on varsity. Oh, okay. Yeah. So
0: so you uh do you see yourself? Like, is, do you have a goal in that, like, to be a head coach or a defense? No, coach? No, man.
2: Um, a friend of mine, a childhood friend of mine was the one who got me the job. I would never I, – I just like being around, like, good dudes that I grew up with. So, you know, he gave me the opportunity to be in this space, in this community. And I was super thankful. And wherever he goes, I'll go. You know what I'm saying? So if he decides to stay there as a coach, I'll stay there with him. If he decides to go somewhere else, I'll go with him. Um, but I, I'm very grateful for the people in my life who create opportunities for me because you don't have to do that. You know what I mean? Like he, saw, he, you know, he saw me like, hey, man, I know you, I know you used to in Yonkers. I used to coach at Saunders. I coach at Yonkers High. And so he was like, yeah, I haven't seen you coaching in a while. I was like, no, nah, stop coaching. Because, like, Yonkers sports is not what it used to be. So, you know, I, I kind of lost the love for it. And New Yorktown was a program that I know was still somewhat relevant and they were doing well. And I went up there and I fell in love with it. So I was like, I'm here.
0: By the way, the Yonkers, I don't know if they have this, but the Yonkers had like one football team, they, one they, basketball they team. Tried, it would bro. Be insanely they tried,
2: bro. They tried. Prep schools is just killing that space. So they have the Force and they have uh, the Brave, which is sponsored by the Force, is the Yonkers PBA, and the Brave is Yonkers Fire. And it combines schools for football. And it's just, it's never going to be, because you have Stepanak, Iona. You know, all these other schools, these private schools that they give out scholarships and these kids are going to the league. Now. Oh, okay. So, okay. Any, any kind of talent, like the last two guys that go to the league from Stepanek are Yonkers kids that played at Neverhand Community Center. Hmm. You know, shout out to Trill Williams and Gavin Heeslope. lot of guys that are Yonkers guys, but they ended up going to Stepanek. It's going to oh, happen. Yeah, yeah TJ yeah, I mean, Morrison, the, the list goes on.
0: You want to go with opportunity. Yeah, you're going to go where league.
2: you can go to the fucking league, so.
0: Is, that, is football... Cause I see you were, you were an extra in the Pride and Glory movie, 2006, with superstar Colin Farrell. Yeah. Colin Farrell, who just recently played the Penguin in, in The New Batman. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and you were a football player in that movie, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, I was an extra. They used the actual team from the NYPD. And uh, in, in the movie, if you see the first, like... It's like the first, like, three minutes of the movie. It's not that much. But uh, I hung out with him for two weeks. So for two weeks... We shot, and they used three minutes of footage. Yeah. How, um, how was he? He was fucking awesome, man. Uh, we, were, we were breaking his balls a lot. He had just got a, out of uh, like rehab for alcohol. So he, like any, if somebody cracked a, a beer or something, he'd get out of the room. But you know, we asked wow. him about his career and, and life, his dating, you know, his, his dating career and shit. It was pretty cool. He's a good guy.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. And you were also on Netflix huh, right? yeah, for a dating show, yeah, right? Yeah, man. My brother's life. on a dating show, The Fifth Wheel. you remember that your brother had the recording man uh yeah so you were in 2000 let me see well what was that 2006 also so were you that was 2006 no so i shot 2006
2: was pride and glory and then um 2018 we shot 18 yeah 2018 we shot um the the dating show but it didn't air till february of 2019
0: and i was on netflix i was on
2: netflix yeah season Mm -hmm. season one episode two the girl's name is Gurky. The shit ended horribly. Worst <laughs> date I've ever been on.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was Did they tell you what to say, what to do? No, anything like no, that? No, no. So
2: it's it's pretty genuine. They give you like leads. They'll tell you what to what to talk about and the the conversation grows organically from there.
0: Wow. I've yeah. also
2: been um I'm part of the actors' guild. So there's a guy that I met out of um at a, at a fitness event on Randall's Island he basically is the guy who staffs extras on like the Equalizer um, shows like that like NCIS if they need bodies like hey, hey we need a SWAT guy to stand in the corner I've done that before too oh nice yeah. you, you
0: were you were
2: in a few music videos
1: yeah a few things short films right. and a few music I still, videos
2: I, that's what I want to do when I retire I want to like yeah. get into that Yeah, short films yeah. Like, yeah. like short films or like acting yeah, yeah. I want to I try to get into that one of my boys did that as, you know retired cop and then he did pretty well. He's in a couple of independent films and shit. And yeah, it's, it's just something I've always wanted to be on on camera doing yeah. something like that. So if I could do that in a space where I could act briefly, you know, why not?
0: I can see that. Yeah, I mean, you're well articulated and you know, physically, you know, for action stuff, I'm sure that could work out. Yeah, and, yeah. and when
1: you know people, it's good to act. I mean, oh, it's yeah. easier to act when you know people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You didn't you play a cop in in a in a movie in a music video?
1: And in the short film, Seal's life. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah in the dope. short film. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I'm gonna
2: try that in my in
0: my second Yeah, he career. was he was arresting the person on camera. I remember he told me yeah. people were yelling out, "Let him go." He was really he must have been a good actor doing <laughs>
1: that, huh? Yeah, we were filming the, the clip in the streets of me arresting somebody and people <laughs> shouting out the window, oh, "Let oh, him shit, go!" That's
0: wild, bro. <laughs> that's wild. Pig,
1: <laughs> how, how do you deal with that stuff? Because there's people that love the police that are always down, you know, because they they. It's like a it's like a security blanket we, yeah we know we always have that help, but there's there's the bad stigma on police, the people that don't like the police
2: it is what it is man i I took this job knowing that people didn't like us, you know I don't take it personally it's not' it's, it's not directed towards me, it's directed towards the uniform, so yeah uh, I read a book many moons ago called the four Agreements, and the first one is don't take anything personally so I apply that to my life. That's the
1: number one book I recommend people.
2: Yeah, man, that's game changer. Yeah. What was the name? The Four Agreements. The Four Agreements.
0: Four Agreements. What are the Four Agreements? Uh,
2: Don't take anything personally. Your word is impeccable. Your word be impeccable. Be impeccable to your word. Um, What is the? uh, I don't remember the other book. Let's see if I Google it real quick. Be impeccable to your word. Don't take anything personal. yeah, I don't know why I can't remember the other two.
1: I'll find it right now. While, while while I'm looking it up, let's talk about more about spirituality. You mentioned you're not religious, you're you're spiritual. W- what religion did you grow up under? Roman Catholic. Okay, and and what made you switch over? Um, mm-hmm. well, yeah. Are you
0: still Roman Catholic. Like on paper, I'm Roman Catholic. <laughs> I study a lot of <laughs> stuff, but I'm still Roman Catholic. Yeah, My yeah, kids yeah, will yeah, go yeah. to school as Roman Catholics, you know.
2: Yeah, so I, you know, um, you know, I was raised Roman Catholic. I received the blessed sacraments of baptism confirmation and um communion right the okay, only thing I, and then um you know matrimony and all the other stuff i gotta wait for and 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 the last rites but um it's
0: that's from the honduran background i'm guessing right because not yeah. too many african americans are catholic
2: yeah yeah if you're from any i think if you're from any spanish country so my parents were born there yeah most um, like oh yeah. they're both yeah, they, yeah 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 both my parents were born there so um I'm first generation. My brother and I, are first generation. Even Kevin, like his 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 family, right? So Kevin and my uh, my mom are our sisters, so they're yeah. we're first generation. Shout out to Kevin yeah, and Alma, by the way. Yeah, facts. Good guys. Um, we're first generation born here, right? So yeah. so they brought every Spanish thing there here for us. So they were very embedded in the church there. We were embedded in the church growing up. So if we went to public school, we went to CCD. Yeah, um, me too. I just woke up one day and I just saw a lot of, um, hypocrisy in religion. You know what I mean? Like I remember, I'll never forget this. I, I was a, a young kid and I'm out, you know, like 17, 18 years old, like running the streets, whatever, hanging out. And this dude, that used to be in my church was out coming out of someplace he wasn't supposed to be, but he used the dude clapping and praising God on a Sunday, but Saturday night was running around sinning. And so... What I've learned in religion is that is you're not supposed to worry about the next person. It's your personal relationship with God. But I just didn't like the hypocrisy of this man. Like, he was trying to give me advice one day. And I'm like, uh, you know you're what? supposed to be this religious dude and yeah. you out here.
0: But you said you don't care that people think, some people think cops are pigs because it's, it's not you, it's the, it's the badge. It's not you, it's the profession. Yeah. Right? So, how come for religion, they don't get the same? Oh, it's it's not me. It's it's the religion, or it's not the religion. It's the people, really, running yeah, the religion.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen to each his own, dude. Like, I
0: yeah,
2: I don't care if you go out and do whatever, but don't talk to me about trying to live my best life if I'm doing better than you in that space. You feel <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Like you, this dude was sitting there trying to give me game, and I'm like, my man, I don't. I, I saw where you. I saw where you were at yesterday, bro yeah like you were coming out of some place you had no business in don't talk to me about anything else other than what's in front of your face because you're not gonna sway me to believe anything and there's a lot of extremists in religion you know what i'm saying like i uh the 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 holy word is inspired by the holy spirit right but you still have original sin on man so like whatever you know darkness you have inside of you is going to have its agenda You know what I mean? Like, if you think about colonialism, right? You think about people hopped off of a ship, came to the the new world and said, I claim this land for God and country and started murdering everybody. And then saying, you need to, they had their own religion, their own ways of living. They were a whole nation before these people arrived and they just murdered everything for God and country. No,
0: I think it's more of a rallying cry to galvanize people using God as like, like perverting the religion. To get their agenda done. There you go. Because at the end of the day, like you said, that that crave for power you were saying before, all a lot of people they mask their sin behind uh, religion, religion, yeah. or you know, or behind their badge or behind something. Yeah, you know, but it's usually that love for the self and then the love for the world, which is the material stuff. You know, it could be power, it could be money, it could be whatever.
2: Yeah, whatever it, is, whatever your vices, that's people use their religion to to mask that, and I just. You know, I'm not a perfect human being. I know I'm not. I don't go out and preach that I'm perfect. I'm not a perfect person by any means. I fall short every single day. But I'm not out here. I, I suggest things. I'm not telling you how to live. You know, I said, hey, maybe you might want to try something. Maybe, maybe this might work for you. But I'm not telling you that what you're doing is wrong because I don't know what you go home to. I don't know what you experience. I don't know what, what, uh, what, what situations you went through as a child. I don't know none of that shit. I just know, like, that probably might not be the best thing for you. So try to stay away from it. But if you do, that's on you.
0: Yeah, I don't know what else to say. You know, like I can see what the, the humility, and I can see why you were successful at negotiating or talking with people, talking people down. You're not talking to, down to anybody. Yeah, because like. I'm in
2: no position. I am no different than anybody else because I wear a uniform, or because I grew up in a certain. It doesn't make me better or, or 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 worse than anyone. At the end of the day, right? Whatever I do here on on Earth is going to be used as judgment in the afterlife. So I try to be. At all costs, I just try to be neutral and listen to people, you know, because the average person who has some kind of issue lashes out, just wants to be heard. And sometimes you just listening to them may make their day a little bit better. And then I've prevented many of catastrophic situations by just listening to somebody and being indifferent. You know, I'm, and like I said, there's this days you might catch me on the wrong date. I might not want to talk. I might want to, you know, whoop some ass. I don't know, but <laughs> depending on the day. But for the most part, like I said, I'm human. I have flaw. But I, I try to go out into the world indifferent every single day.
1: All right, here we go. The four agreements. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. Always do your best, yeah.
2: And I, think, I, think I think that one was the one I, I, like, I, I wrote. Don't take anything personal in my locker.
0: That's a big one. I had
2: a big problem with that. Like people would say shit to me and I'd be like, you know, like I would take it to heart.
0: What do you mean, like like criminals or, you no, know, just people, you people work with, no, anybody? In life, period, in, life.
2: In, 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 any, okay. in any platform. People would say shit to me and I would take that shit to heart. And then I had to learn how to let, like let that go.
0: Did you have to learn how to separate yourself from being a cop, like you said before? Like you're Jay before you're a cop, Jumpman Jay before he's a cop. So Did you have to learn that? Like what people that you grew up with, oh, Jay's a cop. I don't mess with Jay no more.
2: Oh or man. stuff like that. When I became a cop, I lost a lot of friends, man. But because I was young, I was twenty-two when I got hired. So you know, there's at twenty-two people still out here still running around doing dumb shit, you know. So yeah. I had to grow up fast, and people understood that. And the ones who loved me understood what I did for a living. The ones who didn't, they removed themselves from my life. But I, the, the the problem is, you have to understand that you're in a capacity of a of an like a, an official. Right, so someone would say something to you that you normally probably would react a certain way, but now, because you wear a uniform and you represent your city or your state or whatever it is, you have to have a little bit more restraint and a little bit more professionalism, so you gotta dial it back sometimes, so I think that was the hardest part. It's like realizing like this person's not talking to me, they're talking to the the uniform, they're talking to the shield and what it stands for. Some people like you we spoke about earlier had. Negative interactions with police officers, right? So now, automatically, when you see you, it's a trigger. But then, when I start talking, and I hear, missing I understand," and da da da, and they're like, "Oh shit, okay, cool. He's from the hood. He
1: mm-hmm. understands
2: that we stand out here because we can't be inside the house. So I've been standing in front of this bodega my whole life. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna move. Like I'm gonna be here. You're gonna leave at at 12. I'll be back out here. It doesn't matter. It's a. It's just, you know, being able to 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 work in a space where respect other human beings. You know what I'm saying? So I had to learn how to take these words and, and actions that people were saying and doing towards me as not an act of aggression towards me. It was to the the institution that I worked for. You know, like people have issues with authority. You know?
0: Well, you think keeping your ego in check like that came from religion?
2: Uh, Yes and no. Like, it just came from life, dude. Like, he said something earlier, too, right? Like, as a CO, like, you work there. These people live there. They allow you to... I'll never forget, dude. When I used to work in the Bronx, there used to be this group of dudes. I worked in a very uh, predominantly uh, blood gang neighborhood. And there was, used to be this one kid I used to always see out there. And I ended up having a conversation with him a few times. And we ended up becoming, like, friends. Right? Friendly. Friendly.
0: Friendly. friendly.
2: He would respect me enough, right? He would, he would respect me enough that when he saw me, whatever nefarious activity these guys were partaking in they would be like yo man like such and such is out here yeah let's get off the block real quick and he, he would always give me that respect and i remember one time he told me the craziest shit. there was a fight on the corner we go over there and start breaking shit up i had been working there so i kind of knew who was who and there was this one kid that didn't really know he was new to this particular sector he goes, Yo, what's up with your man? I go, listen, he ain't never worked around here. He goes, Yo, you know how many guns are in this neighborhood? He goes, Yo, we allow you to be here. You might want to tell your man. I said, Oh shit. And then it all kind of hit me. Like I walked these streets every single day because when I started police work, foot patrol was a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
2: walked for the first six months of my career. And I used to walk these streets and never realized, like, there's a war zone, right? There, there's artillery in these apartments. Yeah. And he basically was like, yo. Like, we like you, so we never brought anything to you. But just so you know, a stray bullet can fly from some window and no one would ever know. I mean, you guys might clear out the block, but you'll never know where that shit came from. you still
0: get got. Yeah, like, you can still... Yeah, like...
2: You're a visitor here. We live here. We allow you to operate in this space. And when he said that, that was a humbling moment for me.
1: Because this is in the
2: middle of, like, bedlam. There's mayhem going on. And... He's like, yo, what's up? Because this one dude was being, he was doing a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, okay. guy, the, the guy was like, yo, what's up with your man? And I was like, and he goes, yo, just understand, bro, this is our neighborhood. We allow you to be here. When he said that, I was like, peace, man. Because I don't want any problems with anybody, you know? I I lived this long by being smart, not being stupid, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, God bless, man. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you can speak to a lot of The, night, the,
1: the, the. The big difference I tell people with police and, and corrections mm-hmm. is we know who the bad guys are. Yeah. They're, they're, they're even in uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> out here, you pull somebody over thinking it's a routine stop. You don't know what that person has that they need to get away with. Yeah, And you're, you're, you might stop them from getting away with what they need to get away with. Scenarios like that scare the hell out of me. That's why yeah. I never even thought of police.
2: Yeah, man. You, you always hear stories of like, uh a car stops car stops the, the two most dangerous calls a police officer can go to is a car stop and a domestic violence And thing
0: i was gonna say yeah and,
2: and I'm, i'll never forget i had a car stop in the bronx i can't name where it was or the the, the particulars but um basically i stopped the car that had like three guns in it and you would have never known right but thank god i was tactically sound and i was intuitive and the other kids that were with me, the other guys that I was working with were intuitive as well. And we ended up making it out of that situation where no one drawing any guns or anything like that. But it was the way that we handled the call, the way that we moved, prevented violence.
0: And you, you, so you got the guns at the end yeah, of the
2: yeah, day? Yeah, it was a car stop. We ended up getting three guns out of it. That's so, like my claim to fame well, as a police was that? officer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's a car stop like what's gonna make you say
2: they had forged plates, which is rampant right now, but this is back in the day. Forged plates? Yeah, they had so, so- how'd you know he had forged plates? So usually I'm assuming he- paper plates, right? There's certain seals and shit, and he had like it was like a New York plate, but it had a Jersey seal. Like when you when you work in these um neighborhoods, you start to notice certain patterns and certain things. Some people buy cars or they or or, or like they'll just throw on a like a plate and go from point A to point B. Yeah it was a tinted out vehicle
0: just looked suspect
2: yeah i mean you could, we could have stopped it for the tents but i remember like it had made a it made a right and we saw it and then we were kind of like looking at each other and we are like all right let's see you know just they looked at us and they kind of did this and didn't bother we pulled up next to them they just everybody looked straight so they ended up going up another block they make another right they don't signal so now we got that we got the tents we got the we got the signal Got further behavior. So whatever, the tents at bare minimum. And we stopped the car. And I remember, I'll never forget this shit. We go over the, the 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 loudspeaker. And so what they what we did was a felony car stop. The only thing was we didn't come out with like guns blazing. We just basically instructed them to roll down all the windows, put the keys on the on the on the hood of the car, that kind of stuff. And then um when we came up and this one dude was just like it was February. And my man was sweating like he ran a marathon bro. I'm only assuming <laughs> that either he's on drugs or there's something in his car that he shouldn't have. And yeah. yo, dude, he ended there was three guns in the car, bro. In the Bronx. In the Bronx, yeah. Wow.
1: Human behavior. Yeah, yeah.
0: man. If so. when you pulled up to them, instead of them looking awkwardly straight, if they were looking at you and they were like one guy just smoking a cigarette, just acting normal, it might have backed off.
2: No, it might have just, yeah, it might have just been a you yeah. got a ticket for the tents. Yeah. You know, yeah, it just... His we started, We started asking questions, then we realized, like, oh, the plate is, is a forged plate. You know, there was some other shit in the car, too, that I can't talk about, but the guns were the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, potentially save three lives, or, like, you, you count every bullet in that gun, It's those are the lives that you saved. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like that's my claim be, to fame as a police officer. That could be 30 I mean. lives
1: right there. You just yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, like... For, I'm noticing the pattern. You got all these muscles... And you're not even using them that much. And, and you, you're being very successful in winning these awards by using your, like, spiritual gifts and mental ability more, you yeah. know, just being a, a decent, normal guy yeah. to these people instead of looking at them like, oh, shit, this is a fucking Rambo over here. And he can tear shit up, but he's not. He just, he's getting it done. No violence. You know, no, and it sounds amazing. God bless, bro. Yeah, That's-
2: thank you, man. I Appreciate that. You know, I'm just very big on. I'm, I try to be intuitive, man. People give off energy, man, and energy does not lie. There's, there's no. You can fake anything else. You cannot fake energy.
0: I mean, would a would a C would a uh, an inmate look at a jacked up officer and be like, "I, I don't want to fuck with him."
1: Well, only if he knows he's trying to bring it to violence. If he's not trying to bring it to violence and he's just causing chaos for another ulterior motive, he doesn't care the size.
0: Yeah. You mean if if the inmate's not going to snuff anybody, hit anybody, or or cut anybody, do anything violent, he don't care about the size because he knows it. Because you guys have that rule, right? The equal force rule.
2: Exactly. But also, too, being this size will get you in trouble, too. They want to see if you're really about that action.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you're bigger, when you're big. I was uh, like 400 pounds before, bro. You don't get a lot of people that test you, but when they do, this serious test. It's a real test because yeah. not anybody just wants to deal with somebody like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. So I feel like
2: if you have muscles and shit, that kind of opens up the door to somebody testing you. But it, it's a deterrent to some people. Yeah. Like, like, like the I mean, real
0: ones. It's like, all right, this oh, is going to yeah. be a I mean, real deal. Dude, encounter. I've,
2: I've seen guys 120 pounds knock out guys 270 pounds. It just, it's just your skill set. But I think people yeah. see... How you move, how you interact, like, I always tell cops or anybody in law enforcement, you better partake in some kind of combat training and weight training and make sure your cardiovascular is up because when the shit hits the fan and nobody coming, it might just be you and that person in a staircase uh, for 30 seconds, which may feel like 10 minutes. 30
0: seconds is a long time. Very long yeah, time. In a fight, yeah.
2: Very long time. I saw a guy, I shit you not, man, my boy broke his leg. Uh, they was fighting a guy and he fell down two flights of stairs snapped his femur that shit sounded like you know you break a chicken bone and get a ksh, you heard that shit and the scream that that man let out and it was it was literally maybe 10 seconds
0: during a police
2: thing yeah we were uh, they, they, they were doing like vertical patrols we ran into a guy who was like we ended up catching this guy later but he was a two time loser this would have been his third strike he would have been this is back in the day and this how you know I'm kind of dating myself but yeah the guy was like yo I just came home I ain't going back and they started brawling real quick. They fell down, like, two flights. It was like... And he broke his... Snapped his femur.
0: Oh. It's just, you know... Would you... Would you, would you offer to the youth, hey, there's a future in corrections taken? Would you uh, push, hey, there's a future in police work? It's,
1: I'm going to let him answer first. It's, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I tell people no. I, I tell people don't do it. Because... You're literally locked in. You're, nobody wants to be in jail, but for a paycheck, you're going to be in jail. So, so my dad used to say, you're taking all the negative, all the, the poison, you're taking all that in your head and going home with it. It's not worth it. Like he said earlier, I don't know if we got that on camera or not. Find a, a remote job. You know, you're, you're yeah. chilling. You're at home. You create your own environment. When, when And environment is everything. Environment is everything. So no, <laughs> don't no. do it. And and Jay, um,
0: to his point, I mean, for him, it's a lot. I mean, at least a cop maybe can get around, work behind the desk, do you know, like your detective division. But when you're when you're a C.O., you're you're really locked in a hellhole for x amount of hours all year round.
2: Policing is no different, dude. I mean, yeah, they're locked in, but we're still dealing with the same element. So, would you
0: recommend it? To- you, no. <laughs> No,
2: well, what about the
0: somebody that doesn't want to go to college, doesn't want to become a learn doctor, a trade lawyer, learn a trade, learn a trade? Well, I hope people don't take your full advice to both of you because we're going to need <laughs> society's going to need people to do everything. I and mean, I'm going to be 100 percent honest. It's being
2: very it's very hard for us to staff right now. They're sending out canvas letters and people aren't aren't answering them back and and they're deferring.
0: And this is. Uh, I'm assuming this is escalated after the BLM stuff, right?
2: Yeah, ever since um, I would say, COVID and the whole police reform and that movement, I think prompted the space that law enforcement is going through right now. You have people who are coming up on their twentieth year, right? Is it worth me staying extra? Because years ago, when we were like loved and liked, cops were staying twenty five, thirty years maybe, yeah, and then kind of you know jumping shit. But now it's like people get to twenty and they're running out of the door. New York City had a mass exodus. They went from like 40,000 cops. I like think they had like 29,000 cops. And wow. and they're not putting in a class for quite some time because of budgeting issues. So now with through attrition, right, that 29,000, there's a waiting list to retire in the city. So that 29,000 can go to 20,000. You got five boroughs. That's not even 10,000 cops in each borough. Let's mm-hmm. think about this. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, like certain boroughs are smaller than others, but you got to think – you're going to need a decent amount of police uh, police yeah. officers in each borough.
0: You're talking about twenty a job that requires attention twenty four hours a day.
2: Exactly. You know. So you know this is a big bustling city, you know, and nobody wants to be cops anymore. And it's like, do you blame them? Because every time you turn on social media or or the television, like cops are getting shot. You never saw that shit in the early two thousands. You never saw Not shit like, like this. That. Not yeah. like this. Yeah, it's like yeah. there was a, uh, a a bus incident. I don't know if it was Brooklyn or the Bronx, but was floating around um social media dispute on a on a bus kid gets off the bus they have a couple of words he shoves takes off cop catches up to him he gets popped in the leg the kid just takes off like it was a it was a dispute on a bus bro like it's not that serious you might you might have got a ticket but he knew he had a gun on him maybe he had a warrant i don't know but just the mentality of, of 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 criminals nowadays it's like no one gives a shit no more. There used to be like a code of ethics. That shit is out the window, and you're dealing with a different type, and it's a breeding ground for it, too. It's like there's no penalty for harsh crime. You can commit an atrocity. In and, New York? Yeah. And you, actually, in, in, a, in a lot of places, unless the you, go in, the, if you go in the Bible out. Belt, you might fuck around and find out. Yeah. But, like, up here, it's, it's – it's, Oh, it's, the it's, no
0: – what is that? The Nobel reform? What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have
2: so we have bail reform up here. Reforma, it, depending yeah. on the crime that you commit, um, depending on the level of it, you're out in an hour, bro.
0: Yeah, I, I read an article when they were when people were against the the weed smoking, right? Where it's not criminalized like that. So, and I read a lot of a lot of cops that catch guns in the in the street driving is usually linked to weed. So they'll pull somebody over, they'll smell weed, and all of a sudden, boom, they yeah, find a you, gun. Yeah, you
2: can no longer use marijuana as probable cause.
0: So it didn't so is the rate going down for catching people with guns in the street?
2: Crime is going up. That's all I know. I don't, I don't know if, if anything else is working. I know crime is up exponentially. So if, if you put two and two together, it's, it's creating a, a hostile environment for policing. And if there's no consequences to your actions, you're not being held accountable. Is it really going to be a deterrent for you to commit more crime? Not really. So, this is what we're dealing with. This is you're fighting a losing battle, and now you have people who don't want to be cops. So now, when these people come up for retirement and shit like that, you're going to have understaffed police departments in in places where you need policing. It's not going to be good. Wow, that's it's that's a perfect storm easy. for some catastrophic yeah. shit to happen. That's
1: all I'm saying. In corrections, it's it's a little it's similar, but it's different in the sense where a lot of people are retiring and not wanting the job because the job is becoming more difficult because the sensitivity to inmates. Mm. So you know how everybody respects violence? Now there's cameras everywhere. She there's body that cameras. That you, can't, you can't regulate the used to, the way you used to regulate. Yeah. Yeah. And in a maximum male facility, you have to use violence. It's, it's just, that's, that, that's, you want worst case scenario? Now you know worst case scenarios. Now there's no more worst case scenario. Now you really need, beyond probable cause and approval, even put a finger on somebody.
0: That that that's pretty interesting. That when they, when people say, "Oh, cops needs to do better," I give like you if the if the criteria to become a cop now I believe this is what an associate's degree, right?
2: In New York City, yes, I think in Westchester County, you just need a high school diploma.
0: High school diploma. So how are you ever gonna get?
2: I don't even better think...
0: people. If if the if if I'm saying, "Oh, forty G's to become a cop in the city, or thirty-five, whatever," and it's pretty low in the city, right? I'm sure I don't know what the starting pay was. You're I got, high, I got hired
2: at 40000 and that was in 2005.
0: In 2005. And then the
2: class after me, you don't want to know what the starting salary was? $25,000.
0: So why would somebody say, oh, let me, why would a brilliant or smarter, more uh, rounded person become a cop if he can go become an accountant and make $150,000 a year? That's what, what I was trying to say earlier.
2: Go do something else. It is not worth risking your life if you're not really about it. If you're not willing to give back to your community, if it's not something that you dreamt of doing, because a lot of people, I noticed that when I was going into the academy some years ago, this this was uh, 2005, right? So 18 years ago, there were people who like this was their second choice. It wasn't their primary. Those are the ones that are a little bit older. Like my, I was 22. There were guys who were like in their 30s, and they were like, "Well, the accounting shit didn't work," or or like the you know real estate at the time was kind of like plummeting. And, um, you know, people's a jobs wasn't really hitting, you know what I mean? So yeah. they took the 20 years, the pension, the medical benefits, the, you know, the deferred comp, that was the sure thing. I know I'll show up every two weeks. This is going to be my number. I got benefits. I got medical. I'm good. This is where I'm going to be at. That used to be the mentality. But now it's like you interview kids and they're like, what's my PTO looking like? You know, and
0: here yeah Yeah, right so yeah Yeah.
2: thank you thank you for clarifying that talking you know these these terms and some people don't get it but they want to know what their pto is they want to know how long it's going to take them to get to top pay and we live in that we live in a microwave society i want it right now they are not willing to you know so now if you sign up for a job and it's not if it's not a hundred thousand dollars in the first like two years these kids don't want it you yeah, know, so if it's a yeah, job where you're building and you got to get five years to top pay or three years, whatever the number is, these kids ain't waiting for that shit. They want that instant mac and cheese. Like, give me that money right now. You yeah, know, with no, with no with value. Yeah, well, you're not putting in that work. So, and then you know, as a rookie cop, you're gonna you're gonna be working holidays. Your whole, yeah, you know, I'll never forget this. I was a 22 year old kid, um, and and I, and I came to work. Um, it was a blizzard, right? I remember before I came to work, I called. I said, "Do I still have to come to work?" <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: but, right. yo, and the dude that answered oh, the phone no, was
1: like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, you stay home, dickhead." <laughs> yeah. He was like, "Yo, you're a cop now. You show up, rain, sleet, you are hail, the or snow. Cool. Yeah. That's how yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yo, I don't give a fuck if it's four feet of snow. If you can get here, you bring your ass. Yeah. And, so, and if
1: you can't get here, get here. Get here. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So you know, now you got kids who not, they just they're not they don't want to do it, man, and I don't blame them.
0: It's, it's not easy.
2: It's not easy by any means, but it, you know we live in a it's a, it's a very unique time, to yeah. say the least.
0: yeah, I, I asked a kid yesterday. I think how old is he? He was only my nephew. He was seven years old. Smart kid. He goes. I said, "What do you want to be?" He said, "A YouTuber."
2: Yes. So now you're getting that. You know, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a YouTuber. Like, like those, these are professions that people are. Really thinking about meanwhile years ago when we were in schools, like you know if if you don't get a trade then you got to be in some kind of technical program or you got to go to college, and like that was the mindset now the mindset is, could you imagine twenty three years ago that you said you wanted to be a fucking youtuber <laughs>
0: yeah yeah I mean it, it's
2: i can't even think
0: it i can't it's even insane. I mean, you guys, you're YouTubers, right? You have a, um, well, you're not a YouTuber, yeah, a, but you have you a, know, a podcast, a, right? yeah. Behind the Mic Podcast. Yeah. Behind
1: the Mic Podcast. Let's talk about that. That was my next topic.
0: Thanks for bringing it up, Mikey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you, you guys show discipline in other concentrations and can handle the, you know, uh, uh, handle the, the podcast.
1: It's hard work. To just saying, I don't
0: want to work, <laughs> I just want to do podcasts. It's yeah. hard
1: work that people don't want to do.
0: What's behind the, uh, behind the mic? so the behind the mic
2: is a podcast that I started last year. Um, for those who don't know, I helped start up like six or seven podcasts. I ran a podcast for my gym, Northeast, health and performance. Now it's called, but the, that podcast was called the coach couch. And I was executive producing for like three or four other podcasts. Um, and then I woke up one day and I said, time to pour into my own cup and start my own journey. And I, I you know, I got it going and, um, the beautiful thing about my podcast journey that started in like 2018 and I've, I've interviewed some, some pretty famous people. And, um, you know, one in particular, I got a chance to get Styles P who was like one of my, he's my favorite rapper. He happens to be a friend of mine. So to, to have like one of my favorite rappers sit down and have a conversation with me is dope. So, you know, that's part of the journey is sitting in spaces with people I I, I admire and having, productive conversations like we're having right now, you know, sit with people that I respect and, and, um, you know, having constructive conversation and talking about life, you know, and overall wellness. So that's what the podcast is about behind the mic. It's about what's really like what's behind who you are. Right. So that's why I named it behind the mic. So whatever your discipline is, whatever it is that you're proficient in, we talk about who you, like how you became that person, what brought you to that space. So, you know, I consider myself to be like the black Joe Rogan. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I have everybody on from fitness influencers to, um, you know, real estate agents to car salesmen. It's just if you are somebody I deem to be uh, or believe to be interesting, I bring you on the show and we just chat about it. You know, I had a girl uh, on last week. Uh, The episode will probably be on like two weeks, but she was on the Titan Games. You know, she sat there and had a full conversation with The Rock. The Rock promoted her on her page. And she is good friends with me. She took time out of her schedule to come on my show and have a conversation. So that's the kind of conversations I have on my show. And uh, you know, it's doing well, man. Last video got like thirty-five hundred views. That's huge for me. May not be a lot to most people, but that's huge for an upstart podcast. With we have a hundred subscribers, right? So we're trying to get to the number two hundred. That's the number I know. We, I know we spoke about that, but yeah, yeah. the number's two hundred. That's when you start to kind of see some monetary gains. You know, as far as you know, being able to reach out to companies for sponsors and things like that. So we're trying to work our way into that. Um, you know, it's in collaboration with Soyo creative, which is right down the street, 92 main street, you know, we're getting
1: after it. I like it. I like it. Um, how can people find the podcast?
2: Uh, it is on uh, YouTube, right? So you can go to my house media. It's run through. It's powered by my, my house media. So the YouTube is my house media. You can go on Spotify and type in behind the mic podcast. It'll pop up. You'll see the, uh, the description there. And um, you can just go to my page, The Real Jumpman J, and there's links to, to to the podcast there. There's also a link tree attached where you can listen to several different podcasts that I've been on. I've been on some top 100 podcasts, um, Apple top 100 podcasts, like Behind the Shield. I've been on um, that podcast. I, was, I forgot what number I was on that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I got a pretty extensive podcast background.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we're getting close to the end, where we just give people advice or anything you'd want to just close it off with both of you, please. Uh,
2: if there's anything that you're looking to do, do it. Don't. There's no. There's no ideal time. There's no perfect time for you to chase a dream, right? If there's something that you feel that you're passionate about, as long as you have a plan of action and you need and and you have a way to execute that plan of action, chase your dream, because no one no one's going to do it for you. And if you sit on that idea. Um, it'll never come to fruition. So that's just the word of advice that I give to people.
0: And I would definitely add to that, um, you got to have some discipline and dedication because everything, you know, anybody that, you know how people say, oh, my my baby can do anything he wants. That's that's not true. (laughs) You can do anything you want if you're knowledgeable, if you work hard, if you have some luck go your way or divine intervention, whatever, you know, people, however you believe. But with those components, if you're willing to work for it, you know, and, and sacrifice or, you know, people say you need 10 years before you master something, you know, but yeah, I, I agree. Not deterring that, that you can't be what you want to be or do what you want to do. But it, it comes with, you know, like people, we watch the football players play on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, they're working out they're in the gym, they're yeah. right? Right. So, but
1: it's, it's true though. Um, that statement is true. You can do anything you want, but, it's a deep ass, um, Big ass statement ass Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you can with yeah. all the work that comes and the dedication. It's, it's a deep statement, but it's true. You can do anything you want. You put your mind to it. You create a plan. You execute that plan. You live it. You love it. You do it all day, every day. Anything is possible. Definitely.
0: Yeah, you know I agree. I mean, I, I think there's four pillars of success in, in my personal estimation. I think they're, one of them would be, or the first one would be family. Right, and or let's just say not in order. I would say family. I would say a higher spiritual. Um, I would say God, in my personal opinion, God, Allah, whatever, whatever you know, the universe. But something bigger than you, something where you're not the focal point of, of the world, you know, you, you recognize where you get the humility. Family to teach that and to teach, you know, uh, work ethic and education. I think those four things, you have those four things, you can be successful in life, assuming your success is equating to having a decent job, not being in jail, you know, making an average salary or something like that. And, and that, in today's society, that's pretty broken. You know, there are not too many families, meaning, you know, two-parent home support system. Half of the people don't believe in a religion. I just want to be spiritual. We mentioned that before, but, you know, religion te- is a good, you know, uh, good practicing religion is leading you to become spiritual right uh religion have an
2: understanding yeah
0: yeah just the rituals and the rituals don't matter if the outcome isn't you know isn't of quality and you only have quality if it's loving and truthful and useful right um but i think i think those four if anybody wants to look for success you have the family for the support teach you about some type of religion or some type of practice that can keep you in check of what's morally good and what's not you know, the work ethic to be able to work hard and, and the education to be more valuable because in society, you're a great cop because, you, you know, you're contributing value to that position. Mm-hmm. It's not just because you're a cop. You can be a shitty cop,
1: True. you know,
0: and not, and not be successful and get these uh, accommodations and, and awards and stuff.
1: Definitely, definitely. Powerful conversation. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, Macintosh Electric, for hosting this episode. Peace and love.